Hello and welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today we are talking about, surprise, House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass with a very special guest on the pod for the first time, friend of the pod, Liz. Hi. Hello, Liz. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so happy and honored to be here. So friends, as Tasia said, this is a break from what we were planning to do. We were reading Air of Fire as scheduled, but then I don't know, there's this book came out, House of Sky of Breath, ever heard of it, and really just took over our lives. And we have had numerous requests since we started this podcast to cover Crescent City, and we haven't mainly because... We do try to stick with YA on this podcast, despite veering off course from time to time. But really, if you've read this book at all, you know how kind of like cataclysmic it is and how how much fun the Saturday Mass fandom is having right now. And we just really couldn't be bothered to do our pod homework. No offense to Air Fire. We will get to you. But we figured we wanted to talk about this right now. So Yeah. And I think as far as excuses go, this is a very good one. This was like a huge drop. It's like all anybody can talk about. It seems like the right thing to do right now, especially to have like a fun off the cuff, like reaction episode, which we like to do because we like to get unhinged over here. Exactly. And so we are not really going to be doing any of the standard like summaries or anything that we do at the time. Like I know we always talk about our notes. We have very bare bones notes. This is no coherent thoughts, just vibes here today. Right. And since we've been freaking out about this book on offline, no off air online with a lot of our friends, including Liz, we knew we had you had to have you here with us today, Liz. Oh, I'm just so excited. And thank you again. Um, like I said, so honored to be here and yeah, this book has been so fun. Just you guys introducing to me to the first Crescent City, like just a month ago, basically, like right before this came out, um, was just amazing. And then being able to immediately go into this one. Um, I think the last seven days of my life have basically just been house of sky and breath, like and work. And that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Priorities. It's it's Mm -hmm. very important. Yeah. And we should say too, we're going to talk a little bit about Crescent city one, two is was you just said, you just read it. Tasia read it not too long ago and I just reread it. So it's fresh in all of our minds. And again, this is how we're going to get away with covering a very adult series on this podcast by just talking about it all here today. Before we do that though, do we want to talk about obsessions? Like I know this is the main one right now. And so yeah. we're doing this. Uh, but Liz, what are you into these days besides Sarah Dumas books? Uh, so my absolute favorite romance trope is fake dating. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in a movie or in a book, um, I love fake dating because you can either do friends to lovers or you could do enemies to lovers. But you get the fake dating and I feel like a lot of pretense gets dropped with it. And so like it really mm-hmm. opens up the like romance. Um, I just read the Spanish love deception. And then right before that, I read love hypothesis, both of which are fake dating scenarios. Absolutely love them. Read them both within like one day each. And then I just started if I never if I never met you, which is another workplace fake dating by uh Mahiri McFarlane. Um, she's a British author um, inspired by like Sophie Kinsella and Sally Thorne. She loved those authors. Cool. So kind of like one of those lines. Nice. Um, and I just started it. So like three chapters in, but can already see 
see the tension building. You have really gotten me hyped to read the Spanish Love Deception, which I know has like been very buzzy, but I, you were talking about how much you've been enjoying it. And it's just been sitting in, as I call it, my Kindle graveyard, where I buy an ebook deal and then it sits for years and I never touch it. So it's been there for me. Yes. I'm really excited to dive into it someday because it sounds very fun. There is a flirting scene that made me chug a glass of water after reading it. So, well, we love that. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> we love that. Tasia, what is your obsession these days? Speaking of chugging water, um, so this is also uh, Corinne's. Um, so this this is all like current to Corinne's credit for uh, as she says it's her legacy. <laughs> he did he did rivalry by Rachel Reed. Um, I'll let Corinne go into it because it's the only thing she has. But um, I do want to just throw it out there that it's fucking great. I'm not really one for like sports romances necessarily, um, but I'm like a big hockey fan now. I, I want to watch all the <laughs> hockey and uh, yeah. So that one was great. I also read, um, you know, as, as we know, as <laughs> if you know me, as you know, I'm a big, I'm big into monster fucking. So I like a monster romance and I read um, deceived by the gargoyles by Lillian Lark. And she wrote like, it was like kind of a big buzzy thing too, which was uh, like stalked by the Kraken or something. And I read like half of that and I was just, wasn't feeling it. And I read this one cause I liked the cover. It was like really pretty. Um, and it was actually really good, like way, way better than I expected, especially because I didn't really like Stocked by the Kraken. So that was fun. If you're into like monster romance, that was a really good one. If you're into um, like poly group, sword crossing, all of that good stuff. Uh, it was just really fun. You know, solid four star read, quick, enjoyable. Yeah. That's I love it. everything I like that you it. just said. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Like, like if, um, the gargoyle show, the nineties animated gargoyle show was like ever any kind of sexual awakening for you, (laughs) this is for you. I can't say that it was, but maybe (laughs) in the recesses of my mind, I don't, I don't remember feeling that way. I see Liz contemplating it. Liz is is in the, in the recesses of her mind right now. So David Keith, who is an actor, which I think like he's kind of just in a bunch of different stuff, but he's got a really great voice. He was the voice of one of the gargoyles. And I just remember his voice very distinctly from that show, even though I didn't watch it religiously. My brother loved it. My brother and I are two years apart. Um, So I'm also kind of thinking like, okay, yeah, I can can kind of see it. I can kind of see it. Got that. See, y'all are on the same page. This is going to be great for how everything else is going to go here tonight. I I appreciate that. Uh, That sounds very fun. I have not like really waded into like monster romance books much yet. I do have Ice Planet Barbarian sitting on my shelf though. So it's Mm -hmm. like that's in the same vein and this will be the only. And I, I definitely think that like gargoyles, if you were super into gargoyles as a kid, like that was, that's like a monster fucking gateway drug. So, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things like either it gets you when you're young like that and then it evolves into something, you know, where you're reading poly poly group uh, sword crossing gargoyle books Sure, great. <laughs> or or you're or you're a normal person. You know, there's there's a couple of ways that could go. Yeah. If we didn't make it clear that we're discussing an adult series here today, <laughs> like this is this is where we're at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess kind of related to that is my obsession heated rivalry as Tasia called it my legacy I've called it that like jokingly because Tasia's legacy amongst our group of friends is the raven cycle this is an obsession that I feel like I have 
like offered to the table and has been accepted at least by Tasia and friend of the pod, Jesse, and have validated my obsession of it. So that means a lot to me, but yeah, as, as Tasia said, it's a sports romance. It's actually book two in a series called game changers. That's all queer hockey romance. I've not read any of the other books. I was summoned to read this book or what really appealed to me about this book is I saw several people post about it on bookstagram. I think a couple of whom are listeners of this pod from time to time. And they just had like glowing things with buzzwords of things that I particularly love pining, um, enemies to lovers, a kind of hate to love type situation. And I just love a good queer romance. This book really just kind of blew my mind. And I, I hate to judge a book by its cover. And if you like look up this book, you're going to be like, is this just erotica? And I don't say that like just to like diminish erotica It has its time and its place, but it kind of looks like that's all it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just two shirtless men on the cover. <laughs> Um, but really it is just this beautiful love story about these two hockey players who meet when they are about to enter the NHL and are instantly kind of attracted to each other. And they are both these huge soon to be superstars and they are pitted against each other by the press and everyone as these two rivals and they play for these two rival teams, but almost immediately in their relationship, start hooking up and it follows them through like almost a decade of their relationship and how they're continuing to sneak around to see each other during this time. They're both uh, in the closet. One of them is by one of them ultimately comes to the realization that he's gay. And it's, it's just ultimately about them, like finding their way to each other and deciding that they really want to be with each other. And it's just beautiful. I read it like right before House of Sky and Breath highlighted the shit out of that book on my Kindle and was just reading my highlights, like biding my time for House of Sky and Breath. Now that that book's out, I'm flipping back and forth between my highlights of the two and it's just like an <laughs> obsession, like cycle. It's vicious. And someday they'll release their chokehold on me. I'm not there yet. Um, so anyway, I hated, hated rivalry. Just was really, really good. I want to, again, give credit to the couple of people on uh, bookstagram. I saw that like even brought it to my attention and I'm so glad I read it. And the two main characters, Shane and Ilya, they are actually getting their own specific sequel book in the Game Changer series. It's called The Long Game, and it's coming out in April. So I was rejected for the advanced copy on that galley. It was the most depressed I've ever been. <laughs> I'm not getting an arc. It's fine. I can make it till April. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's really good if you like, you know, pining. It's honestly like love. beautiful. It's yeah, beautiful. I was I was blown away by like how genuinely beautiful, like how touching. And, and just really thoughtful and really well-written for, I mean, you, like you said, you judge books by their cover, honestly, and you see two shirtless dudes on a cover and you, you're not expecting something to be this thoughtful and well-written. And, um, it was just, yeah, it was really great. And I think I messaged you and Jesse immediately afterwards. And I was like, my heart has sprouted wings and flown away. Like it just made me feel, you know, I just feel so happy. I just love them. Yeah, they have a great relationship. And that's also to say, like, it is definitely steamy. It starts it is, with, yes. like, a chapter of them hooking up and then flashes back to, like, mm-hmm. the beginning of their time. it started, yeah. Yeah, so you're like, oh, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> also, for, like, Ted Lasso fans out there, I know, like, he is not described as looking like this character. He is not really described in a lot of ways to be like this character, but I just kept 
thinking of Roy Kent as Ilya as the um the Russian half of this duo, oh, no. kind of like a grumpy, like aggressive kind of guy. And yeah, he was he was uh very reminiscent of Roy Kent for me. I appreciate that. I I didn't I did not have that in my mind, but like anytime I can insert Roy Kent <laughs> into like any fictional situation, I'm on board with it. So, you know, like the whole gruff thing. I don't know. Oh yeah. 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 No, yeah. I'm into it. I'm really into it. Okay. Sure. I might have to uh just pick this up right after. Yeah, well, really, really should. You, you should, Liz. It's just, oh my god, it's like six bucks on on Kindle. Kindle. It's worth it. I'm not. Yeah, that's yeah, so worth it. <laughs> um, I think that actually does pose a natural segue into talking about these books here today because I never really knew how to visualize what the growling that Sarah J. Mass male characters do, <laughs> like what that sounded like until Roy Kent. And so, mm-hmm. on that yeah. note. <laughs> Sarah JMS. Um, so yeah, we are probably mostly going to talk about Crescent City 2, but we do want to talk about the things we loved about Crescent City 1 as well. Uh, this is going to be full spoilers for absolutely everything that comes up in Crescent City 2. If you've read the book, you know exactly what the breadth of the spoilers therefore entails. So really turn back now if you don't want to be spoiled on either of these books at all. And also I think we're just going to have some general Sarah J. Mass discussion here today as well. So spoilers for Throne of Glass and the Court of Thrones and Roses series are also on the table here today. So with that warning in place, let's go ahead and talk about Crescent City One. Liz, what do you love about that book? I, okay. First of all, I just, I loved it. Like, I think from chapter, like really just from the jump, I absolutely loved it. I loved how the modern take on it, this idea of like fantasy, but being not only like just present day, but like more advanced with some of the technology they have and everything, just even the, some of the tiny nuances of like a laptop and a cell phone and lift and (laughs) all the reality TV, like fangs and bangs and like the Love Island show that they were, I can't remember what the name of that show is, but like all of just the TV and like the normalcy that was involved with it, like Syrinx is a chimera, which is a different species, but he's basically their dog. And like, just all those different things, like the party lifestyle and just having this heroine who was not, okay, this is going to sound really terrible, but like, She's just a party girl. Like she's just a normal party girl who's 23. She's living her life. She does not have a care in the world. She's going to fuck whoever she wants. She's going to drink whatever she wants, do whatever drug she wants. And like, that's not your typical kind of like YA fantasy heroine. Obviously this is not YA, but like you don't, I don't really get to see, I don't read a lot of those, right? It's always someone who's like kind of struggling and Mm -hmm. like, she didn't start off struggling. We got to see this, like her struggle is from the grief of her losing her best friend. And which I also thought was really beautiful in Crescent City 1. We will talk about (laughs) Crescent City 2. Yeah. But I mean, just like I have a a best friend that I've had since we were 14 years old. So over 20, almost like 25 years at this point. And I would send her audio notes and I'd be like, I would be absolutely devastated if I lost you, like at this point, you know, like all these things. And then I started sending her threatening audio notes of like, don't keep secrets from me, which (laughs) I don't have. Also, that's such a Scorpio move that like, don't keep secrets from me. (laughs) It it. is. It's pretty funny. Um, But yeah, so I just, everything that was like involved in this book about 
it was just such a shift from Akatar and just other fantasy that I've read. So I just, I love, it was so fun. Like everything about mm-hmm. this was fun. It was a buddy cop murder mystery, like just a 23 year old girl, 25 year old girl, just trying to survive in the world. Yeah. Um, all of those things. So, yeah. Yeah. Asia. Yeah. What I really love about, uh, Crescent City one, or like really all of Crescent City is that um, urban fantasy like this can be really hit or miss. A lot of it is kind of just an excuse to to be, I don't want to say trashy because I love trashy books. I love erotic books. I love, I love all of this stuff, but like, I, I mean, trashy in like a good way. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of urban fantasy is very kind of surface level and it's an excuse to write like sex with vampires in the modern world or sex with whatever. Um, and it, which, you know, like, like princess has its time and place and it's fun, but this feels like so much more than this. It's like elevated urban fantasy because it is urban fantasy. So it is fantasy set in the modern world, but it's like, it's high fantasy too, in the sense where it's just like such rich, crazy world building. Like I remember when I first started Crescent city, I was like, I felt like I just gotten thrown into the deep end of a pool and I don't know how to swim. And it kind of just. Like what's, what's good about Sarah J. Mass is she's not like trying to hold your hand through a lot of it. It's kind of, you know, trust your readers, which I think is really important. Don't over explain things. Um, yeah, it kind of just throws you in and, and you're either going to sink or swim. And once you get the hang of the world, it becomes really fun. Um, just really rich world building. Um, as to like the Danica and, and Crescent City One stuff, uh, like Liz said, I think it's really incredible. It's really well done. Um, that stuff hit me harder than like anything else in that book and there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to cry in crescent city one yeah and uh danica was was a lot of it yeah when i just reread it i was struck by how much i was a mess at the end when danica mm-hmm. makes the drop with her it's such a good uh, representation of of friendships a female friendship and that's something that sarah does really well particularly in throne of glass but it's not nearly as well-developed as Bryce and Danica's friendship is in Crescent City 1. We'll get to mm-hmm. Crescent City 2. But yeah, I'm, I am I talked about this a little bit on our Assassin's Blade um, episode because I just re-ride Crescent City 1. I'll talk about it here in case you're not following along with our Throne of Glass stuff. But like when I first read this book, I was like, meh. And I think it was because of when I read it. Like I read it in like short, pretty shortly after it came out. Like I read... Akatar at the beginning of the pandemic. And then I was like, okay, well, she also has a throne of glass that's eight books, but she has this new book. It's just one book. And I don't know what I was expecting, but I don't think I was expecting this. And after coming off of Court of Thrones and Roses, which is such a sleeping like love story, this was not really that. And so you know, I, it just didn't hit right for me at that time. And then I went on to read Throne of Glass and got all consumed in that, that I just never really like, thought about this book again. I mean, I knew the ending was great. Like the, va- the vacuum scene, iconic, <laughs> one of the best things Sarah's <laughs> so ever amazing. written. It's so good. Lahaba, our queen, like <laughs> we don't deserve her. Like, so there was definitely like good moments, but I wasn't particularly thinking about Bryson Hunt at all. And I, I just, I just, again, I was more focused on her other series and we had silver flames come out during that time. So like there are other things to obsess over, but man, I was so happy to be like, ask her and you were wrong. Like when I reread this book, because it is so different than her other stuff, but I think that's what makes it so special. I really think that that comes across in Bryce and Hunt, their slow burn and build of their relationship is 
it's so special. And I don't think any of her other couples are quite like that. Maybe Cassian and Nesta, but like, it's different for them. But the way in book one, Bryce and Hunt build upon their, their relationship via like helping each other through the trauma that they've been through. It's just, it's so special. And I do think too, despite the fact that like, you know, we've got like 500 year old Faye and her other series, they feel the most mature of any of her couples. And I think that makes a big yeah. difference to an adult reader as well. And I just like, really love them. Um, we'll talk about Crescent City too. And like what happens with them in that book, but like I just had such a better appreciation for them and for Hunt, you know, the first, then I did the first time around. And I think we can, you know, we'll talk about Hunt in detail here too, but I, I think at first I was like turned off by how he was judgy of Bryce as a party girl. Um, I think that I don't want to speak for all of us here, but I know all three of us here like to have a good time. So like, I think I might've just felt like very defensive of Bryce and like, didn't like that anyone would kind of diminish her and he kind of does discount her at the beginning mm-hmm. and uh just thinks that she doesn't really have any value be because that's what her lifestyle has been and so I think I was just mad at him about that the first time through but he very quickly does change his mind on that so there's a know. moment there's a moment in Crescent City one when they're at the right the white raven it's the night of the bombing and it's when like she like leaves him and goes and she meets up with juniper and she's drinking water but he doesn't know that right away and she's like having a liquid liquid dinner and he takes it from her hand and and is like if this is just water and she's like yeah and then there's like a conversation they have afterwards where he's like he's like why do you let people think this and she's like because then i get to know what I can like to almost like use against them, but also like how I can manipulate them to my benefit. If they're going to mm-hmm. make these assumptions, I'm going to use it against them. And as Tasia mentioned, very Scorpio. So I love the pettiness that is involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I almost had the same reaction. I think to you, Corinna, I wasn't mad at hunt, but I was like, no, Bryce is, she's got a long game going on. Like this yeah. is, this is, there's something going on here. And I really, really like that about her. Yeah. She's great. Bryce is such a great heroine. I love her. Just so much more proactive and fun than Farah is. um, And, and more forthcoming than, than like Aelin is. Um, I think she's probably technically the best of the SJM heroines though. I do. I think I still like Aelin the most just because, but I mean, you know, I have eight books worth of attachment to Aelin. So we'll see. So yeah. I know we're not going to talk about, like, I know you guys are going to talk about Throne of Glass and we're going to have like Throne of Glass spoilers, but I have mm-hmm. not read Throne of Glass yet. So right. I don't know. I have no comparisons to Aelin. Or we're going to be very light on the spoilers. Yeah. 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 No, I think it, you'll like Aelin a lot. You'll like Just, Aelin. Yeah. 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 Bryson and, and Aelin and Nesta like definitely have like similar qualities mm-hmm. that feel very different than Feyre and yeah, no, she just is, she's her, she's so smart. Her quips are so great. And I think like what really makes then her and Hunt special tune, which I'm, I'm very impressed with with Sarah is like their banter is so good through both of these books. So good. So good. And for me, and we talked a lot about this in our Ektar episodes, like sometimes her dialogue in that series and her, her smut in that series is just so cheesy and like kind of cringy and 
we don't have any of that here. Like these, these two are like sharp as tack and constantly biting at, um, and sniping at each other in a way that really works. And then, uh, the, the ultimate payoff we get in Crescent city too, finally with these two is, was really fun. Um, in terms of all of the, the sexy times that we got, but yes. Um, oh, and we have to talk about rune oh, in book one, because that is one thing I do remember. And I think Tasia can vouch for this. Like when you read it, I was like, well, yeah, like the brother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, um, on his first description, I was like, oh yes, yes. I see. Um, I, I honestly, like I'm, I'm going to plant my flag here and that he's the hottest of the SJM men. Yeah, no, I mean, I, really I think he is. There's a great case to be made for that for sure. Um, I'm not going to cry yet. About what happened. <laughs> so, oh my God, we're like 10 minutes in. This is not good. Um, I'm not going to cry yet about him in Crescent City too, but like I really did in Crescent City one, like was like very into him. Like there's something about like, a sibling relationship they always kind of appeal to me as an only child so like reading about them even in if they're fraught like his and Bryce's yes. is in Crescent City one it just like really tugs at my heartstrings um and then like yeah he's like the sad boy like uh, I'm the chosen one but I don't want to be like but still like you can tell he's a really good guy but he's doesn't he's not comfortable with this mantle that's been foisted upon him Ugh. Great. He had such oldest child energy as the oldest yeah. child, <laughs> as an old child. Like, yeah, he just, I, Rune is just so great. And I also like, it's, we see it a lot more from his perspective in the second book, but I think that what we do get from both of them, both him and Bryce from the first book about like how fraught their relationship is, but like how much Rune wanted to have a relationship yeah. with Bryce and like knows he fucked up, but like never held anything against her ever yes I think it's just so great and you don't see that and like even with the archer on sisters like you don't really get that a lot I I I don't understand I I only have brothers so I don't know how sisters interact I I will always admit that like I when it comes to sisters I know there's a different dynamic there um but I I do think that like I I just loved his their relationship and he's just I, that's really what won him over for me. It was just like, oh, oldest child, older brother. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, yeah. you're just trying. That yeah, he really made me realize that I have like definitely a thing where it's like the the sad, horny older brother that's just trying his best thing, which is like such a highly specific thing to be into, and it very much is the thing I'm into. Apparently, yeah. it's your type. It is, yeah. <laughs> Really, Tasha? I don't know. <laughs> I think I literally did make the analogy off air that, like, I think why we like Rune so much is like what we want for Declan Lynch, mm-hmm. which is yes. like a healing relationship with his sibling. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll get that in Dreamer Three. Uh, but yeah, I, I I totally agree. And I think like what Sarah does so well in the first book too is that like you you think. You, you see why Bryce is upset and you are not totally frustrated with her for like being how she is with Rune, which is kind of just keeping him at a, at a distance and kind of being abrasive towards him, but you like understand it, but like, you still have so much sympathy for Rune. So I think it's like really well balanced where you're just like, ah, I just want you to get along again because you guys could have something so great. And I, I, 
see how that relationship repairs itself. Even just in the first book, I think is really well done. Yeah. I think that I feel like for Bryce and Rune and the only other siblings I know in this, in this universe of the Sarah J Mass verse is the Archer, Archer on sisters. Like, I feel like with those three, there's really strong divides and like people like either love or hate certain characters and like refuse to go back on those things. But I think with Bryce and Rune, you understand both sides so beautifully because they are, like you said, they're so well-balanced. And so I do think that it's easier to accept both of them as they are and understand that like they will figure it out on their own. It's not going to take a push from either anyone and they will be okay. Well, I think too, what is really different about Rune and Bryce versus our trans sisters is that Rune and Bryce, you know, had a good relationship and then it disintegrated and the Artron sisters never really got a chance to have a good relationship. So yeah. it, it does feel different, but I think too, what makes it like even more special in Crescent city one is like how hunt didn't get along with Rune either. And you see both of them kind of realizing that Rune's a good guy. And I I really like at the end of Crescent City One, where like Rune reveals like his ability to mind speak, which in and of itself shows a level of trust in Hunt and Hunt's feelings for Bryce, that he's willing to divulge that information and how they kind of work together to save, help save Bryce. Bryce doesn't really need their assistance. She gets it done on her own. But uh, I think it's just all puts Rune in a, a great position for us as the reader being in Hunt and Bryce's POV most of the time in that book. Like everyone's got softening feelings towards Rune and then we're all on board that train too. <laughs> the entire time. We had no doubts that Rune was great. We, yeah. no. we needed for everyone else to realize it too. Yes. And I think it really comes down to Liz. You made such a great point earlier that um, even though like Bryce throughout most of uh, Crescent City One is like just really kind of aggressively mean and angry towards Rune, but he never holds it against her. Like he knows that he fucked up, like you said, and he never holds the grudge for the way that she responds to that. Like he takes it and just like, I mean, the way that he kind of sticks his neck out for Hunt, even though he doesn't really like him, but he knows that it's important to Bryce and I just, oh man. And I think these kind of fraught sibling relationships are so rewarding to see, like, like the more conflict there, the better almost, because I'm just like, it's so crunchy. It's just so emotionally rewarding to, to see that kind of that conflict resolve a little bit. It's just, oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it does maybe reveal some not so savory things about the fandom and our, our girl Nesta and how people look at like her versus rune i think because there are some similarities in like their relationships and how their siblings are interacting with them but you're so right like rune no like is so respectful of bryce and her process and you know who else is really respectful process Farah. uh but yet everyone <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone loves to shit on on Nesta in a way that is, is, is very different than how Bryce is treated. And I wonder why that is. Uh, but I, I think it's great to see these again, supportive siblings who understand their sis, who, what their siblings need and the whole dynamics are different, but I think that's a similarity that's there. And yeah, I think it's very fair. I, yeah. I think, uh-huh. I, I, yeah, I agree. It's there. Yeah. I think when it comes to Nesta, a lot of people need to kind of examine maybe some internalized misogyny and yeah. 
Anyway, do we have any other Fantasy One thoughts? Um, we didn't talk about, I mean, we mentioned her, but I just, I do want to just say that Lahaba yeah. was such a heart scene, like heart stealer in the first mm-hmm. book. And the way that she's treated in the second book is, I couldn't have asked for a better tribute yeah. personally. I think that like, just knowing that like even Rune, I know we just gushed about him, but like even Rune, like fondly remembers Lahaba and is just saying such nice things about her and he barely met her he barely knew her and like even Bryce when she's like in the bone quarter she's like does is is the fire sprite here like is Lahaba here like she won't forget her and Lahaba oh god I just I don't want to I don't want to cry yeah (laughs) Lahaba I'm so glad the camera's off me (laughs) I straight up bawled in Lahaba during oh god me too just me too. Tears streaming down my face. Baradim has killed off a decent amount of characters. None have ever had an effect on me mm-hmm. like this one. Um, it's yeah, she's just a perfect companion in the first one. Like her, like being thirsty for all the men who come around. Like, girl, you're me. I love it. Right. I love it. Like, so the why audience why not? Why yeah. not? She's she's got this. She like, loves trashy TV. She loves all body. the hot boys around. Yeah, right? she's got a little couch that she's on. Like, yeah. and I actually really love like in book two that like day is like oh. on a uh uh she's lounge like that yes. yeah and he mm-hmm. like thinks well how it's so sweet i'm like that's how you know this is like a good person you're meant to be with if it's invoking this very wonderful character but yeah her her death in her sacrifice is um it's it's so well done sarah has a lot of characters like sacrifice themselves for like the hero in in her books and this is the best example I mean, it's just it makes sense why she does it and yeah she she does it out of such love and the whole her just getting her freedom thing is just oh whew. i have chills don't make me cry <laughs> you know okay well it's <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> such to crescent city too didn't know the real reason we're here <laughs> Um, already like losing it a little bit so okay let's talk about our expectations maybe briefly going into this book because I don't think any of them were really met from my end and yet I do not care number one where's the threesome <laughs> promised I don't I, I was like <laughs> looking for it but then like didn't care that it didn't happen ultimately um yeah I wanted more information on Hunt's background and Hunt's dad. And we didn't get that here. We may get it in the future. Um, that was like my number one, like mystery question. And then I was really content to be the captain of the good ship Rune Hypaxia, which did not take, did not set sail. However, <laughs> I'm fine with that. Like, and I, it all just goes to show that like really in Sarah J. Mass, we trust because what we got here was. I, I don't care that it's completely different than what I want. So it was much be. better than I would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of forgot, kind of forgot about hypoxia and rune at one point. I was just like, oh yeah, I did want that. Yeah. I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think I was kind of, I was like primed to expect things about rune and hypoxia when I first read it. And I think because it wasn't like, they barely had a scene together and I was like, oh, okay. Like that wasn't really much of anything yeah. that going for, like, I wasn't really emotionally attached to them as a, as a ship. Like I didn't, I was like, ah, it could happen. It could not happen. I'm cool, whatever, either way. Um, and I'm just so, so happy with the way it went. I mean, of course it went in the 
most deliciously conflicted way that them coming back from this, I think I was telling Corinne, um, the, the way that they're going to have to come back from this is it's setting up the best conflict here. It's just going to be so good. It's going to be so devastating. I cannot wait for that pain. Yeah. Rune and Lydia makes it all worth it for sure. Mm-hmm. Also, Teja, I love how you diplomatically said I was primed for Rune and Hyrexia <laughs> as though it was not me who tried to shove that down. Yeah, yeah, you, you uh, and Jesse were very, very ruined in hypoxia, well, and then I think, I think I was just expecting a lot more than there was, yeah. than than was there, and so that's yeah. why I was like, eh. yeah. Well, and on my reread too, I did notice that um, at, at the end with the summit, like she does have a little like moment with Therion, which we get the full context of in Crescent City too, and particularly in Therion's bonus chapter, which was in one of the special editions, where like they're basically. <laughs> he's keeping a tally of how often runes looking at hypoxia mm-hmm. and like they bond over this which is very funny um but yeah so on reread i was kind of like oh yeah like this isn't here as much as i thought it was i think i was grasping at something because like hunt and bryce weren't speaking to me as how as much as i wanted them to at that time on my first read and so i was just like oh well i love the sexy brooding brother so like i want him to be a son it's a great setup because it's, you know, they are, um, affiance. Yeah. And just uninterested in it. So like that in itself, (laughs) I feel my pinky was up. You can't see me, but it was up uh, (laughs) reaching for the stars. Um, but no, they, it's a, it's a great setup. It's a classic setup. So like, why wouldn't you expect that? I have a dumb question and I really should have confirmed this before I jumped on this, but this is something that's been (laughs) nagging at me. Okay. I need to go back and I don't know if this is like, mentioned we know that rune is engaged to the witch queen's daughter but how is it phrased because i do wonder if it's been vague on purpose and we just assumed it was hypaxia uh you know what that's i completely forgot that there were two witch queen's daughters and one of them is lydia Corinne's face right now. So sorry. I, I, le- I legit <laughs> thought that my that my laptop was frozen because it has been acting up this entire. Recording. I haven't gone back, I, and I I thought I it was frozen. No, that is a great point, and I love it even more because it just adds in like more layers, and it's it is a great way to set up Rune and Lydia too because he like recognizes her voice and like and her scent, and her scent, and like yeah, it, it all like really kind of it tracks so well then like his kind of initial attraction to her. Uh, but yeah, I, that's, that kind of just blew my mind. We'll have to go back and look. And even if it's that true, like we got lots of things here, like that yeah. make me such a Rune and Lydia shipper, but, um, yeah, I, I think to turn right to like the idea of Rune hypoxia, I think that because Rune feels very similar to me to Lucian and Akatar, like it's the same vibes, like I, and I am trash for Lucian. So mm-hmm. um, like I, that what the idea of rude and hypoxia appeals to me in the same way that Lucian and Elaine does, which is like two people who like, don't want to be with each other necessarily, like ultimately yeah. coming Myself together. Destiny, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so that's fine. Give me that story in Akatar, Sarah. Like, let's see where we're going here. But, uh, yeah, that was the best surprise for me of Crescent city too, was, having a new ship to just lose my shit over. Mm-hmm. 
what I think is so funny is like how quickly all of us just abandoned the SS Paxi Arun. <laughs> we're like, we're on to this. Yes. Cause it's, I mean, first of all, it's enemies to lovers, right? Like yeah. it does mm-hmm. have that vibe in there, but also like, yeah, there's just so much about it. And when they're like meeting in like a dream space, that's sexy yeah. already. Yeah. And like, and it's all anonymous. Like it's, it's just yeah. got all of these delicious little morsels going on. Uh. She did such a good job too of like kind of sidelining hypaxia for the beginning part of the book. So you like weren't even like thinking about her and there was so much other stuff going on that was so fun. But yeah, when you then start seeing Rune interact with with Day on this like trivia space bridge or whatever they are yeah. in time, um, you're like, oh, okay, like what <laughs> is happening here? Like this is great. So he's not even thinking about hypaxia anymore. So yeah, no, that's all really great. And I think the ship just works really well too. Like it is enemies to lovers, like you said, but like he does a lot of like that brooding that we love about like how he kind of doesn't want to be in the position that he's in. And like, yeah. he can talk with Lydia about that. And it's just like really good juicy stuff here. Doesn't sound um, like she wants, she enjoys the position she's in either. No. Oh, so good. I mean, it's, it's so good that because it's like such a different kind of enemies to lovers because they are enemies, but they don't know it while they're getting to know each other. So they're, they're being really vulnerable with each other and really yeah. open and, and having all of these really soft moments and these touching moments. And then he finds out who she really is and he has to kind of uh, figure out how he's going to feel about that. Like, like. While also being thrown into the her, her past, every, all the yeah. awful things, yeah, all the awful things that she has done um, and, and weigh that against all of the good that she's done and that she's trying to do. Like, yeah. It's there was a lot that hurt me by the end of this book, but him like shutting his mind to her really hurt me too. Yeah. Um, and I do think too, like there's definitely some mate language that Sarah's using here that feels similar to some of her other like mated pairs and this series and other series, but um something snapping into place when they have sex for the first yeah, time. And yeah. And then also like I think yes, Rune has this mind speak ability, but the fact that mm-hmm. he can speak to her. Um, feels very much like Reese and Farah's bond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm just like really super excited about that. Um, and that's great. Also, their sex scene is the best of the book. No shade to Bryson Hunt, who gave me lots of moments to love, but like, yeah, that yeah, no, there's so high. No, there's no contest. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, also, can we just talk about, we have to like give it its due here, which is that the first room POV we get is basically. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the first thing when I started this book. I think it was the first hit thing I sent the group message. Where I was like, "Face sitting, rune, face sitting." <laughs> like, <laughs> so, love that for me. And, you know, he's still being a gentleman that time. He's like, mm, kind of this fiance. I know. I I did think that. I, I and it's so funny because like he's like he's talking about hooking up with this fawn, and I'm like yeah get it rude like please tell me more about this I'm really into this for you and for me right. oh that's yeah. right you're engaged I forgot about that sorry yeah. to this woman yeah <laughs> yeah Whoops. meanwhile Hypaxia is in a literal and metaphorical closet with uh, yeah. Celestina yeah yeah well, it's, well, uh I guess we could talk about that in a second here too but I do want to talk more because we did talk about so much in book one just like how important and meaningful all the race rice that's is that their like sibling <laughs> ship name <laughs> brune or rice <laughs> uh rice and rune in this book 
like just the continuation of that was, oh God, I'm, so um, I'm going to cry right now. I think someone else talk about them. It was well, how I, they're both kind of on eggshells around each other. Like they're the, the, the status of, of their reconciliation is so vulnerable still. And it's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that. Um, I really appreciated how hunt respected it and like was really careful about like when to step in and be like, mm-hmm. nah, this is my girl, as opposed to like, that's your brother. Like you need to figure yeah. that out. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I love that. Cause I think that family dynamics can be incredibly complicated and to have someone who was like really respectful of it and just aware of it and trying to be as delicate with it as possible, knowing that like, this is a fraught relationship that's starting to, to reform and build. Um, it was just great. And even, I feel like even Declan and Flynn were kind of like that too. Kind of like, we want our sister back, like kind of thing. We're going to, we're going to do what we can. Yeah. That's a really good point, Liz. Yeah. I, I, I we just like save talking room until the end because I have a lot of feelings, (laughs) but, um, yeah, no, it just, I, that kind of hits the nail on the head. It's so like delicate and it just, it grows to this beautiful moments at the end, which we can. Really <laughs> <Go>. uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling, I was telling the group chat that I like was very surprised that I didn't really cry through it. I mean, there, there are plenty of reasons. I think I finished this book. It was early in the morning and I was just trying to get done. I was like the last person to finish reading it. So that could have had something to do with it. But the closest I came to like really crying was that moment that we'll talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that is, I think, everybody's favorite quote. <laughs> oh, golly, it's so good. Should we talk about Hypaxia and Celestina then? Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, you get the special gold star for being the one person I've talked to who was not totally convinced that day with Celestina and you were thinking it was behind. Like, that oh, was very yeah. good. I was totally duped. Like, I wasn't even... You thought that pretty early, too. I remember... Yeah in the group chat saying that and being like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No way. <laughs> and you were I, right. <laughs> I don't have many things to, um, say that I've been good at as far as like calling <laughs> things out in a book. Uh, Noah being dead is my biggest, my, my favorite one from the Raven cycle. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, I just I, like, I, okay. This is a little bit of like projection, but Celestina was incredibly nice and understanding to everyone from the beginning. And like, even Hunt was like, she's not really anyone. Like maybe she's a puppet, maybe she's a puppet. And then she was really warm and like understanding. It was like, oh, I see a relationship with Bryce. It must be difficult knowing she's engaged. And like, you have to make peace between Pollux and Baxian. And like, yes, the hind and, and the harpy are going to be here and everything. Like you got to figure it out. Isaiah and Naomi are still here. And I just, I started to feel like she was too perfect to be playing a long game. And so that's what, to me, like, it just, if I were going to be the one to manipulate all parties and want to have people in my pocket, this is the approach I would take. Yeah. And if I'm going to do that, then I'm not a spy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. Like she could not be a double agent if she were playing the nice guy. Yeah. She would have to play the bad guy in order to convince yeah, that's so smart. the bad guys that she was one of them. She could not act like, you know, a compassionate person. Yeah, yeah. it was. She gave Hunt too much slack for something. And that's when it really started to plant my mind that like, it can't be Celestina who's day. 
Yeah. And then I was that's like, who the fuck could it be? It must be the, it must be the hind because yeah, like, that's so, smart. <laughs> that's so smart. Yeah. Celestina is like super interesting because like hunt has proven himself to be, I keep saying like an unreliable narrator. That's not like totally right. He's a, a, a victim of his own trauma and like his, his perceptions of people are necessarily impacted by everything that he's been through mm-hmm. at the hands of these people or people similar to them. So, you know, on the one hand, you want to trust your hero. Mm-hmm. And when he is saying like something, I don't, I just don't trust her. You want to trust that. But then everyone else, including Bryce and Isaiah and everyone is really kind of eating all the palm of Celestina's hand. You're, you're kind of like, okay, well, Hunt, how much right. do you need to be setting aside with this? And that happens with all of these characters that he's interacted with in his past Baxi and the hind, all of them, um, which ones is he right about? And which ones is he not right about? We don't know. And I, I mean, Bryce included, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think that Hunt's in a very unique position when it comes to that too, because we get even more in this book about Shahar. Is that how we're going to say her name? Shahar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sure. how like he idolized her in such a way, but she wasn't so great either. So he's having to do a lot of unpacking about basically everyone that he ever interacted with. Mm-hmm. And it's like, which way are any of these characters going to like go? And he didn't have that same history as Celestina, but he's right to be suspect of any of these archangel arc angels after his experiences. Uh, so yes, it's very fascinating to like kind of be in that headspace with him and not really know what it's going to be. Yeah. Cause I think, I think he's like the most suspicious of her, but also like, I do feel like, and this is not a fault on him by any means. I think that he gets too distracted by like literally everything else they all have to do that. He kind of like forgets how suspicious of Celestina he is. Yeah. It's when he goes to pack up all of his weapons that I think that he like slips in that. And it's, I get, I don't blame him. I think he's like panicking about the fact that they're like 18 other things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's true. And that's what ends up like sinking them apparently at the end. Yeah. God, the trauma he's going through, like, like knowing that finding this kid before the others do is like the morally correct thing to do while also battling this like terror that he's going to be labeled a rebel again and lose everything again. And it's just, it's so sad because you know, he wants so badly to do the right thing, but he's just so terrified. Okay. Can we talk about the meal plot line? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I hated it personally. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things that I was, I was reading the book, like, and he he gets sent off to live with Bryce's parents. I'm just like, a, that's dumb because like you were very publicly looking for him and like you, you who your parents are is clear, Bryce. So, like, yeah, so yeah not that's secret. not a good so much house. of it didn't make sense. Yeah. And none the first of this, people they're gonna go it. after is her parents in order to get to her and like look what they'll find too. And also yeah. just like her hiding that whole thing, it did it just to me did not make sense on a Bryce level. Yeah. No, none um, especially with sense. everything that she's going through. Like, like finding out secret upon secret upon secret upon secret upon secret about Danica to then turn around and do that to somebody else just felt very out of character for her. It just felt very, it felt like Sarah wanted to pull a surprise. Fair enough. But like at the cost of, of maybe some of her like characterization. Yeah. And it just like, I felt like there could have been a less clunky way to link Bryce and Hunt and all of them in with the rebel journey other than like this kid like it's just like a weak motivator like the danica motivator Mm -hmm. makes way more sense to me than like bryce wants to save this kid which like yeah yeah, everyone wants to save a kid but like 
I just, I just didn't buy that motivation. And then it just kind of like peters out and it's like nothing. And, you know, I gave this book five stars at the end because like the feelings that this book gave me are really why I read Sarah J. Mass, but like, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not yeah. Tight plot being here. From the Sarah. only thing that I liked that Bray said at the very end, and I was like, that should have been motivation the entire time was when she said, he's a human. Yeah. None of you care about humans. I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. to be deemed as less than and I got like I was like Bryce like that could have been your fucking motivation to literally everyone the entire yeah. time yeah and it is interesting too when this I think when like the broader questions of the book is like who's right who's wrong here like obviously the archangels and like all of the like magical beings are doing something really horribly wrong here but the human rebels are also not great either um so you know what where where is the good here like what are we fighting for who's the right person to lead that fight so like those broader questions were really interesting and i think bryce's interest in that is exactly what you said liz which is this human element that like no one else can connect to but yeah it just it wasn't the most artfully and I don't feel like like you said it was very clunky I don't feel like that that line that tie was brought out in a meal it was just kind of like okay here's this orphan boy yeah yeah we're not going to do literally anything with at all yeah yeah and then I thought maybe it was going to lead to something bigger with the viper queen we do have a big viper queen in a moment with Therian at the end and we'll talk about him in a bit but like that didn't really like lead anywhere. Like I, I, th- I do think we do have bigger things coming when it comes to the Viper queen. I think Sarah really likes her and there's more to her than we know. And I say that based on like attending her live event that she did on pub day, um, quote unquote live. It was recorded like several weeks prior. Cause she gave birth <laughs> like right before <laughs> this book came out. Um, but she like seems to really like her. So I feel like there's gotta be more there, but, um, but yeah, then it didn't lead there and it was just kind of like, what is happening? Um, but should we talk about Cormac and Sophie? Yeah. Cause like, I mean, she can sell me on a ship quicker than anyone can sell. Like a water salesman can sell water to like a thirsty person. Like I <laughs> was so in on Sophie and agent silver, whatever his name was mm-hmm. in that prologue devastated. She's dead. Cormac kind of sucked. Don't miss him really. Like <laughs> He was, he, just, he was so frustrating. Honestly, he was just such a frustrating person. Yeah. Yeah. His death at the end was affecting, but like not super affecting. Not Lahaba. Like, yeah. Yeah. No Lahaba. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, that he was a great introduction to this idea of what the Fae powers can be. And, you know, we'll talk about the end. We're like saving it. We're like dancing around it. But like I, when I was reading it, you know, there had been theories already about like the the parallel universes in the Sarah J Mass extended universe of stories um but as I kept hearing more and more from him I'm like you sound a lot like the Akhtar Faye sir <laughs> and I think that that's a really clever way to build and weave in that story and plant those seeds for your readers without like bashing them over the head with it yeah and I thought that I, was well done. the thing I liked about Cormac is that he brought in a reliable source of fey politics mm. right because like rune has problems with his father and fey politics and like the hierarchy and the bloodlines and everything bryce has obviously a fuck ton of problems with it and so now you bring someone who's like wholly been raised in this universe and wholly believing 
I mean, believing in the sense of like, that's all he knows. He only knows like the Fey way. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that like, to your point of like pulling that in from like what we see in Akatar was really beneficial because it solidified why the Autumn King is important in this universe and the power that he has. Cause I don't think I fully have believed the power that he wields and that the Fae have in this universe. Yeah. Because our two Fae are Arun and Bryce, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard I think, when it gets like mixed up with like the wolves and like all these other like forces yeah. in Gotham city. Yeah. Yeah. So I think bringing Cormac, Cormac in and also like even kind of giving Flynn a, the barest hint, a LaCroix hint of a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> what a With perfect his- reference for this, like, fame, noble, rich guy, too. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> With his, like, parents and, like, the party at the ball. Yeah. Like, I think that was, like, really, I, that to me, like, helped kind of just build the fey world yeah. in this universe mm-hmm. a little bit more. Yeah. You kind of get more of that, too, in um, the, the Bryce the bonus. hunt bonus that, uh, Flynn pops up in as well, uh, where his parents have a party. Okay. Um, I've not read that. I don't think. Yeah. It's, we'll talk more about the bonuses too. I think like the Therian one is pro and the rune one are probably like the juiciest, the Bryce hunt Flynn one is more just like missing moment, but like basically he's yeah. Like moping about like his parents party, like kind of like a poor little rich boy attitude, but like, it's clear that they have like, <laughs> poor a Flynn. Lot, yeah, <laughs> but like that they have a lot of control over his life or they're trying to exert a lot of control. And like, he basically is like, res- has begrudging respect for his sister. Who's trying to like, knows that a marriage to either like Rune or Cormac is like, going to be very advantageous to her. So yeah, that does all play into that all very well. Um, but yeah, his, it just first, again, it was devastating that Sophie was done. It that very much upset me. I wanted her not to be, um, I really, I really thought I had so much hope for yeah. Sophie. Yeah. It was, yeah. Bomber, her death man. actually bothered me more than Cormac's. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. And I did think the one thing about the meal stuff that did work for me was the scene where Bryce and Hunt go to him and she like tells him that Sophie's dead and they're like very nice about getting him in the car with Fury like that in and of itself worked well um and you guys like Fury having to like stop for snacks and I was like he doesn't need snacks like he is a child he needs (laughs) snacks but you know who else like wouldn't think about snacks um Amarin Amarin. (laughs) so (laughs) we'll get there as well um should we talk about Ethan? Yes. I mean, we yeah. can, we should. Yeah, we should. I mean, a oh, show of hands know. of who actually is fine with him being in love with Bryce. There's your hands. My hand is not up. Yeah. No one, <laughs> no one's, I, I hate that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I hate I that. Hate it okay. So it's, it's kind of, it's a very Sarah thing to do, right. To have your heroine and have every, uh, quote unquote male in the universe be in love with her it is it is a very sarah thing to do it's thrown a glass it's akatar um but it is sort of it feels really exaggerated in this series like it's literally everybody their entire their entire core group aside from like baxian and maybe cormac yeah. that are just like obsessed with her and it's it's kind of it's a little bit exhausting i'm a, I'm a little bit over it at this point um the ethan it just 
because of his brother, I guess. I don't know. There's something about the Ethan crush on her or like being in love with her that is just, I'm tired. Yeah. I just, I also feel like, <laughs> I know he's been written this way, but there's this part of me that like feels defensive for, for him that like, yeah. he doesn't deserve this. Like, yeah, no, hundred yeah. percent. I, I feel like there's so much more to Ethan that does not deserve like having that one be, be one of his defining characteristics. It's like yeah. Yeah. being in love with Bryce. And okay. And it makes all of these, yeah, it makes all these other characters feel like, like when they do get hooked up and cause I mean, this is a, an SJM book, everybody's going to end up with like their one, their OTP, you know, um, it makes it feel like every, everybody that like everybody's paired relationship it feels like a like a consolation prize yeah because they they spent yeah. most of this time in love with the main character they don't get the main character but they end up with somebody else and it's like right. uh, yeah I, I don't like that i don't yeah. like that for them and i don't like that for their partner I just don't get this choice when his backstory in and of itself is more than sufficient to drive him through his pov chapters in this book yeah he has lost his brother he's lost his pack he's defended bryce I was so excited to potentially see just a male-female friendship be a male-female friendship, um, which is not something we get a ton of in, uh, we, you know, we get it with Farah and like the back boys, like, mm-hmm. but she's already very clearly with Reese at that time. Like, yeah. right. it's just like, can't we just have that? Like before, like the mate enters the equation, like you just right. are friends with someone. Um, so it was very frustrating for those reasons too, because I think it's so compelling his story. Otherwise I was so yeah. excited to see that their tension, his blaming Bryce and his anger at her for the betrayal he perceived that she, you know, did to his brother. That's enough. That was that was perfect. We, we had yeah, it And there, now Sarah. because of him being in love with her, it feels like, uh, you know, he's taking it as a, as a slide against not just his brother, but himself yeah. as well. And it just, it sucks because he was second only to Danica, to Bryce, yeah. like yeah. As, as a best friend, second yeah. only to Danica. And now that feels kind of spoiled. Like it feels diminished a little bit because he's, yeah. he's been pining for her really this whole time. It's like men and women can't have friendships without one of them yeah. being in love, you know? And also, like, I don't, let's not cast aspersions on the dead here. Like, let's let Connor Holstrom be this perfect guy that I wanted him to be in my head. Don't say, like, <laughs> he would have chosen the game over Bryce. Yeah. No. I, also, I don't believe that. I, I, don't, actually, I don't, don't either. I don't that. either. I don't believe it. I like, think Connor and Hunt would have been the exact same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, he, he was clearly in love with her for years. Like, I just, I don't get it. Um, and I guess that leads in, I will say though, before we get into my other wolf problem with this book, which, you know, we're going, um, I do love all of Ethan's stuff in terms about like having a new home, a new family. I love it. Alpha. I like that too. The group dynamics here are all some of my favorite stuff, Mm -hmm. like probably better than in our circle like yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. so much 100% better percent agree so I, much better just i like I, so much so many more of them than i like yeah. the inner circle yeah that's true I, there's there's not the power dynamics that exist in the yeah. inner circle yes yeah. yes like Very they're all point. friends because they have to be yeah right they're not all living under uh daddy reese's yeah benevolence this group yeah. is friends because bryce's apartment is where everyone lives Right. It's the friends. It's the friends' apartment. It's Monica and Rachel. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the the um, 
the Scooby gang. And, and yeah, it was feels, that you, Corinne, that, that brought that. Yeah. It, they feel very Scooby gang to me. They're all trying to solve a crime. They all have various levels of success and we do have a spike. I have told Tasia that Therian is my spike in terms of the comedic relief off to the side, mm-hmm. laughing at all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just be, pr- providing pithy commentary. Like that was, he's the spike to me in this scenario, but yeah, no. And I love that. Like they all had independent reasons for being there. Like yes. Ethan got kicked out. So he had nowhere to go. Therian's queen has to, has sent him on this task. So he has to do it. Rune has his, his own motivations and wanting to be near Bryce, but also has reasons to, to get involved with the whole rebel element of things. Cormac is looking for Sophie. So they all are kind of like brought together in such a fun way. And, you know, Declan and Flynn are kind of serving the same roles that they did in book one, but now they're like being looped in together and they're all becoming friends. It just was really good. Oh, their friendship with Ethan was very cute. I love it. Okay. Flynn, like sobbing like not sobbing but like begging Ethan to like come home at yeah. the end of mm-hmm. the book yeah I almost cried at that like yeah. Flynn oh my god I yeah. already liked you I thought you were hilarious already but like you don't yeah. even steal my heart anymore man yeah oh my god him with the fire sprites and the dragon <laughs> well just him having a personality <laughs> yeah that's true I was just saying to you him with like these three like floating sprites yeah I, I love it yeah, little, uh... <laughs> my only my only concern for connor i just want to go back to him really quickly yeah but my only concern for connor is that i'm really happy to see that he's like now had this confidence that he's gotten from this group the scooby gang to like yeah. establish this new pack of wolves and like go after the alpha yeah i am concerned that he's just going to like jump from family to family and that's, I don't want that for him. I think he's better than that. Does that yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Cause she's kind of establishing him as having this like hole in him without having a pack, which is understandable as being like a wolf, but, but also, yeah. Like let him establish himself on his own, which I really liked. Like, it felt like that's what was happening when he moved in with the yeah. Fae because he's not, it's not a pack situation. It's friends, you know, it's, it's yeah. a different dyma- dynamic than he's really ever had aside from Bryce. Right. And like Danica and Bryce, like Bryce isn't a wolf. Danica and Bryce had this, like, okay, we will talk about Danica, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like CC one Danica and Bryce, yeah. and like a pre CC one had this great, beautiful friendship that was like both equal and established outside of her pack of devils. And so like, I yeah. do want Ethan to have that. I want yeah. him to have that with like Flynn and Declan and yeah. the fire sprites and the dragon and like yeah. the rest of the Scooby gang. I do love at the end though, that, like he no longer feels like he has that hole in the same way. He's able to yeah. shift without feeling sick. Like that's great. And yeah, this whole idea of the other alpha, like the wolves are going to be, I think really big to the end game of the series. Whatever yeah. it is. I'm really yeah. excited to yeah. see what happens yeah. with yeah. that secret alpha. Yeah. Sabine needs to go down. Well, yeah. That bitch. <laughs> yeah, oh fuck that bitch. God. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> Her and Amelie. And Amelie. Yeah. Like, oh, oh fuck Amelie. Get out. See, that's what's fucked up is it felt like at the end of CC1 that, like, Sabine kind of knew where to put, like, her her, her mouth in. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. felt like she have, was raining back a lot of that nastiness. And the same with Amelie. It felt like she really regretted doing what she did um, to Bryce, but then it's like any of that, any of that possible like progress that those two had made was completely undone by the beginning of this one. It was like, it never happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. Very frustrating. They just went right back to being giant fucking assholes with like no other characteristics. Yeah. Now who else maybe was giant fucking asshole? Danica. (laughs) Yeah. Like what in the fuck man? Fuck Danica. Like how does she not help her? She has me like that's, I was will her secrets in book one made so much sense. I totally get it. And I understand we need a hook to hook Bryce in to this continued mystery, but man, like, and it's not even so much like hiding the identity of Sophie and that, that communication. It's really the mate thing for me. Well, what it feels like is that she didn't trust Bryce and how how are you going to say that you love this person? She's, she's supposedly loved Bryce more than anything in the entire world. How could that possibly be true? If she could hide so much from her because it just shows uh, that she doesn't trust her because a lot of this, I understand why she would hide so much of this. Like there's some like really deep fucked up shit happening, but this is your best fucking friend. Yeah, This is a person that might need this information in the future. Like let her in on something or leave her clues. She didn't intentionally leave Bryce any clues, which feels like a lag, a complete lack of trust. Yeah. Which like, how can you say you love somebody if you don't trust them? By the time we got to bat the vaccine reveal, I was like, sure. Yeah, okay, exactly. Fine, At a certain point, whatever. it's just yeah. like, yeah, I had, I had secret fatigue. Right. I just, yeah, I was exhausted. At least she did leave those papers in the coffee table. <laughs> like, I don't know, I, which, yeah, that but was like, a funny scene, but um. <laughs> like Bryce, Bryce, are you like, I, you know what? I'm Danica and I'm going to hide all this shit inside the coffee table because Bryce seems like the kind of gal that would break open a coffee table arbitrarily yeah. and find all this stuff for some but, fucking reason. And like, also again, like, can we please not speak ill of the dead? Like what was his name? Thorn? Like, or whatever. Oh, the guy that she was dating before. Or like that, like yeah. he was also in the pack yeah. of wolves who like thought they might be mates. Like yeah. and Bryce had always thought Legitimately that they had been mates. forgot about him until yeah. it was mentioned. But his as like well. his body is like right in front of like Danica's. Like he was the last line of defense, like to get to Danica when yeah. they died. And and Baxton just like he was he wishes like, yeah. like, he like literally died trying to save danica like he did like i'm just like why are we like trying to muddy the names up i yeah i just everything like, about like and I, I don't know i know we're i, I know we're supposed to like vaccine honestly i hope he's not long for this world i just cannot get on board with him he and Corback felt very similar in characters to me yeah where it's like they have are serving just one purpose from mm-hmm. a plot line standpoint and that's it like i just i i, I just i can't care about him yeah. i can't care about him cool you have a tattoo in danica's handwriting with the same phrase that bryce has tattooed on her back in an ancient fey language but you know what this bitch like is fucking people left fucking people over left and right and like yeah. i just so many secrets i can't i can't I, girl how how did i go from loving you to like despising yeah. you yeah mm-hmm. It's really, it's, uh, it's so frustrating. And like Baxin could be like an interesting character in terms of someone who was really bad for so long. Give him a mate who's not Danica to like be the, the tide changer for him. But like, yeah. it just really makes it feel like then the way it's written to just is like, okay, well, he's only good. He's only helping them because of Danica. Yeah. It's much more interesting if he's like sympathetic to their cause or like, right. Mm-hmm has some other motivator to change. Yeah. I really don't like that. Like that he was 
like, oh, I was straight up evil until I met Danica. It could have been like, oh, I was forced into this position and I hated it this whole time and I was miserable. And then I met Danica and she gave me the strength to like finally start pulling away. That would have been great. That That would have been been so much better. But him being like, yep, I was straight up a shit bag. And then Danica came along and I was like, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't be a shit bag anymore. I don't like that. Yeah. And that's what I'll give to Cormac because he was the one who was like, I need to, this is not right how things are going mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I'm yeah. going to change it. So like he definitely wins. It's like, it's really hard in this universe. I feel like when you have a mated pair, because there's so much emphasis on like the importance of a mate that when somebody loses their mates, like they, they lose half of their soul or something. And it's just devastating. So when you get somebody who has lost their mate and it's like, I don't know what to do with you because you are just kind of barely existing so like what is the potential for your character what's gonna happen that's that's why i'm like i'm not gonna get invested in you like the only thing i could see him being beneficial for and i've seen this on tiktok so i'm not claiming this is an original thought by any means but like people saying that like vaccine and hunt talking about like the mating bond and like how hunt will know if bryce is alive because of how vaccine feels because danica's dead yeah Mm-hmm. And I guess potential to help them out of there too. Yeah. But I just like that. Yeah. yeah. It's, he's just not the most compelling. And I already have one girl who's going to flip on the inside. Her name's Lydia. And she's <laughs> the one <laughs> care about in there. <laughs> well, and also, okay. Oh, wait, do we want to go into theories? Should or we like this? Is- okay, go. Yeah. This vibes. Say, list vibes. Yeah. Sorry. Like vibes. My, only, my complaint with like vaccine and the hind is like, okay, so who fucking else is going to be a secret good guy at this point? Yeah. Like I, I'm, we need to, I was need genuinely to start killing concerned people. for a second that it, that Pollux was going to end up being a good guy. I'm like, I cannot yeah, handle this way. anymore. <laughs> no. I cannot like, it, you're asking too much forgiveness from me. Yeah. Yeah. I, Mordok is the one where I'm like, uh, I will see what your motives are, but like, I just, yeah. Get, I'm, I'm, I'm good with Lydia beyond that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, over, I, I'm going to need some strong convincing well, because there's, there's great, there, there's great, like stuff leading up. There's so many seeds planted for Lydia. Once you think back, like as yeah. soon as I started to suspect, I thought back on every mention of the hind of Lydia in yeah. the whole story that I was like, like Oh wait, out. she kept yeah. dropping those stones. I was like, well, the second time she dropped the stone was like when I really was like, wait a minute. Because I was like, why, why is she using the same example? Like, well, that doesn't make sense. And then the same ship shows or like, you know, obviously somebody had come and taken Sophie. So like, and then somebody comes and rescues them. I was like, those stones have to be something. So like there, there are seeds planted along the way. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, it's a good reveal. It's a good reveal. It was a really good one. <laughs> Like, I feel like we just like went to a dark place and went negative there. Again, this is 800 page book. There's like maybe a hundred pages I don't like. So like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I loved it all. And yeah. like, I mean, like, even though Danica has left a very bitter taste in my mouth yeah. and like has caused me to send multiple audio notes to my best friend, threatening her never to leave <laughs> these like deep secrets in my life. I mean, I also still like will fucking love any fan art of her yeah yeah and i still no. love and the friendship. words lighted up still bring tears oh, to yeah. my eyes oh, so like, oh. um i almost yeah. bought a shirt the other day that just says like light it up light it up light it up on the front <laughs> i was like i can't something i did like though and we can talk about it is therian uh mm-hmm. we have he's like our last pov character we've talked about obsessed yeah. with therian yeah obsessed with him i mean what is the number one corinne rule things that she loves and is kryptonite for 
the nickname. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so him calling her legs just is great. Very cute. It's very cute. So good. And I also like that he's into her, but in a very playful way. Like it doesn't feel like it's a serious. No, thing. it doesn't feel gross or creepy. He's, yeah. He just wants to joke about playing with her underwear, which like in another context could be creepy, but we like it here. Yeah. For we're, we're letting it pass. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. But like his backstory is really at first I wasn't like super feeling it. I was like, wait, I did you really sign your life away because you wanted to get laid? Yeah, Yeah. that that (laughs) it's a bad look, my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I felt like at the end, like it was really dumb that he didn't really think through what the River Queen's daughter was gonna do in that situation. I was like, dude, like, come on. So I felt like his like mean that part of his backstory at first I'm like wait so like what's the deal here like you are being punished because you slept with it just was like it kind of took me a while to like understand the leash that was kept on him now he's got another leash and very nerve-wracking okay so now I'm wondering because I mean obviously it's a huge bummer that he basically signed his life away to somebody else he sold himself into slavery essentially um but then at the end, it's like very open and we don't know if he makes it to the water in time to uh, fully submerge so he can continue to shift. So now I'm, I'm like actually genuinely very much concerned that he didn't make it and that's how he's going to get out of his slavery contract with the Viper Queen, basically, because she took him on because he'll be a great like fighter. Um, and I don't know if she'll want that if he can't. But I assume shift he would still be a fighter regardless. If he I guess he would be not. a fighter without the shifting because yeah. he's a mer person. So yeah, maybe not. I just I, I don't want him to not be able yeah. to shift anymore. Yeah, but I, I feel like very it's going to do that. For him. I, I don't. I feel like it's going to do that. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm convinced that he's not going to make it to the water in time. And like, I like had a moment before I finished the book where like. I had to sit for myself and like come to terms with the fact that that was going to happen, even though it actually Mm -hmm. hasn't been written. I just convinced myself. (laughs) And I feel the opposite. I I, I think he's going to get to the water. It's a fun like cliffhanger for us, her to leave us on. But like, I just don't think she'll go there like off book. And we'll talk about like where we think like the next book in the series is going to pick up. Like what the hell is going to happen here? I feel like it might be one of those things like spoilers for uh, Call Down the Hawk, I guess. But like the end of Call Down the Hawk where you don't know what, what happened to Adam. Like, where's Adam? Where the fuck is Adam? We spent like a year panicking about it. And then like in in the um, like teaser chapters, we're like, oh, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like I hope, I hope that's where it's going. We're like, we're going to get like a teaser, like, oh, here's paragraph, blah, 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 of chapter two. Yeah. Swimming of in the ocean. The third presence. Yeah. And there he is. He's got his fins. So I'm, I'm hoping for that. That would yeah. be nice. Um, I think really the last big thing we need to talk about and before we get into like the ending and crazy theories and shit is, is Hunter Bryce because I was not prepared for the depth of feeling I feel for them. I mean, first of all, like, let's talk about the mating bond situation here because I didn't know how much I needed Sarah Dumas to have a pair pick each other before their mating bond snapped into place. Oh, when mating didn't even seem like a possibility for them. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, Nesta and Cassian like choose to be together and she has the freak out when she finds out their mates. But like, this was just like Bryce saying to Hunt, like, if anyone is my mate, it's you. Like, 
that's like very important. And I, 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 I didn't, again, I didn't know how much I needed it. And I was so happy to see it. That whole chapter where they talk about what they were going to call each other. It's like, it's one big block of yellow. <laughs> like, it's all <laughs> highlighted. Oh, there's so much good stuff there. I was just, I was really moved by like <laughs> their love in this book. I don't even know what other way to say it without sounding like a total idiot. <laughs> It's, it's so good. You mentioned that it's like the most organic, I think is what you said was the word or like most natural. You said it was the most natural pairing. And I, I agree. I think that like, there's just, there's so much about them that is so beautiful. Like they're both so snarky and sarcastic, but funny and witty with each other. And it's like, so caring at the same time. Yeah. And it's just like, it's their own humor. It's, it's, yeah. it's very much like unique just to the two of them. And it, it's just so good. It's yeah. so good. They tease each other. Like, yeah. I love so much that their snark and their banter. It's so affectionate. So like they're, affectionate. they're both having so much fun. Like they're just like smiling as they talk shit to each other. And it's so cute. Just both delighted by it. And I just, I love that. Yeah. And like, I totally agree that like her not telling him about Emil was like not great. However, I do think their conversation afterwards about that is one of the more mature mm-hmm. things I've ever seen yes. Sarah write with one of her couples and the sex afterwards just smoking hot in the library. Like, so <laughs> like that, even that moment, which was probably the, the biggest misstep for me in terms of their relationship in this book, it worked out so well. Like it's, it's not an alien situation where they're just all constantly frustrated with her. Cause she won't tell their plans. They talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just like such a mature couple in a lot of ways. I think for me too, it, it's kind of like, maybe I'm Ember Quinlan in here being like, this has only been five months. <laughs> like, Whoa, yeah. like you're going to be mates. But like the, some of the things like that hunt in particular says in this book, man, like it just really, <laughs> Make me emotional. Like it's just oh, he loves her so much. And I, I wrote in my notes. I'm like, is Hunt like all of a sudden my favorite Sarah J. Mask guy? Again, I cannot emphasize enough how much I did not think of him for the <laughs> two years almost since I read this book. Maybe it was a kindness to yourself. Yeah, I, was just- <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but like now, when you look at like the two, like the three main couples in these series, like he is a perfect combination to me of like the guys, like he has enough of the alpha hole, like swagger of Resand, but he never veers too much like Reese can for me. And mm-hmm. he's like such a wife guy, like Rowan is, but like, he's not nearly as boring. And I love Rowan. Like a lot of people think he's boring. Get, come back for our throne of glass stuff. Cause Tasia and I, I both love Rowan, love Rowan. Yeah. but like he is kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. He's just not in as, the, in the like unwavering support, like wife guy the, um, yes, way, the, the like support, in a very good way, like, boring uh, in the best possible way. Yes. He's yeah. not as de- quite as developed as a character is hunt but like his support mm-hmm. of it, it is very content so like i'm like you're the perfect combination you're the whole you are so right are. like, like oh you've my blown God. my mind because absolutely wife guy plus the alpha hole yeah yeah and it's like a really good combination it works and it just it, it's so good and I, I think the end for him in this book is so devastating like thinking he's going to die and then actually having it be something worse is just like, mm-hmm. I can't think about it too much because I'm going to break down. Like, this is my, like you, you haven't come to Jesus moment about Therian and the water Liz. Like I have to have that moment <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> becoming a slave again. <laughs> Cause that's where I'm at right now. I'm very upset about it. 
very upset but yeah I just I really liked I'll bring it up when we get to the theories about Hunt but I think I know why I did not have that exact moment with with Hunt but anyway still talking yes but yeah but are we ready for theories yeah, so like let's let's just talk about that. And but before we do, let's just briefly acknowledge Hunt's lightning power and how he uses it to great effect in this. <laughs> okay, honestly, that's really great. It's, it's king shit, man. King like, shit. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm Her into smut it. writing gets like better and better. And we also have great stuff here with uh rune slippering, like and how he's using oh, yeah. that. So like yeah, oh that was she's doing good. fun things here. Um, yeah, like, okay, so let's talk about this ending and talk about theories because holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Liz, you knew, right? You, you saw a spoiler. Yeah. Okay. I, I knew too. Tasia, you did not. I did not. And yeah. I'm very, very glad. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I, I, I hate spoilers a lot of times that I don't know why I like kind of sought this one out after basically after Jesse knew. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> tell me, like, I need to know. But anyway, yeah, I, I usually hate spoilers and I, I, it was kind of fun knowing this one because I felt like I read this book like I would on a reread because I knew something was coming. So I'm like, well, what are the clues to show me that this is coming? And there were definitely theories about this beforehand. There was definitely a lot of theories online, even before things got leaked, that Truth Teller was the companion to the Starburn sword in this universe. And we know that her universes overlap from the end of, of kingdom of Ash, where Aelin is falling through the different universes. We get a glimpse of face hand. We get a glimpse of Crescent city. So like the potential was always there, but like, I just really didn't know how she would execute it. And she did it. Yeah. I, I think I was expecting way more of like a passive type of crossover. Cause yeah. I, I knew that these worlds, like at some point in this, she was going to have them converge. They've, they've converged a little bit, like you said, in Kingdom of Ash, you know, hints in, in possible hints in Akatar where Akatar and Throne of Glass, you know, crossover. Um, so I was thinking something really passive like that, that was going to be more of an Easter egg than anything else. I can genuinely say that I absolutely did not expect like a full-blown crossover yeah. as in like, like Akatar, because Crescent City 3 is coming before Akatar 5. Akatar 5 is going to be like a, a good chunk, I think, of just like, the aftermath of, of the events of whatever that crossover is in Crescent city three. Yeah. Like yeah. they're going to be talking about it. It's wild. It's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, okay. So like, like Ryan said, I was spoiled on it. I, <laughs> I think I, I said this in our group chat. I was I like halfway through, I was like, I like theorizing when it was going to happen and how it was going to happen. I did not anticipate a crossover. I did not anticipate like the multi-universe of Sarah J Mass like happening yeah. with like, how is like the a fucking end game? Everyone's going to join the party kind of thing. But I, yeah. I, I was, I thought it was going to be rude. I really thought it was going to be rude because there was a line where Cormac says, use your mind um, speaking to reach out today. And he's like, what do I supposed to do? Just throw, like throw it out there and see who, who talks back. And that's how I thought oh, Reese nice. was going to answer. Yeah. So I was, that's a good theory. Fine. Yeah. That it didn't happen. Obviously it was fine that it ha- yeah. didn't happen that way, but like, that's really what I thought was going to happen or that like Rin was like going to send messages out and like, this would be responded like at a great delay and it would be resent. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. But, yeah. That yeah. was just my, like, <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like a portal or like a message or something happening because all I knew was that hello Bryce Quinlan my name is Rusan was the last that's line all I knew too yeah I knew it was the last line of the book though 
Oh, I didn't know it yeah. was last line of the yeah. book. I, I just knew it It was said. And I was like, yeah. oh shit, this could happen yeah. anytime yeah. in 800 pages. What I think is really fun about it though, is I am on record, go back and listen to the six plus hours of our ACTAR coverage about how like over, not over Reese I was, but I was like, Sarah, be done writing him, please. Mm-hmm. And yet I <laughs> like lost my shit. No, I'm so yeah, excited yeah. though, because here's what I think will happen. We've had some time to chew on this and we'll talk more about our theories, but I really don't think like we're necessarily going to get his POV, especially in Crescent city. Like it's going to be Bryce looking at Reese. And that's one of my favorite things is for people <laughs> to look at Reese and call him out on his <laughs> bullshit. So like, it's thrilling. It's, oh my god! If anybody is gonna call Reese, I can't yeah, fucking wait. Fucking wait. Can't right? fucking wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so and he has to be there as a translator because yeah. I mean, I mean, do Azrael or does anybody else besides Reese and Amran know like the no. ancient Fey no. language? No, I think I'll learn in a day. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, and it is just so smart. Like, I give Reese a lot of shit, but like Actar means a sh- like a shit ton to me. Like, I love mm-hmm. it so much. I love so to have her most beloved character come back in in this way is it's, it's yeah. thrilling. It's thrilling stuff. Uh, but like, mm-hmm. what the hell is gonna happen? <laughs> I don't know. There's the theories are wild. There's I so many theories. I know it's been. I know I shared a couple TikToks with you guys, and like, yeah. I definitely thought this afterwards. I I do. I I would personally like to see. Elaine's seer powers have some play in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I went back to just, like try and find all the prophecies and like visions that she has to see if there's anything in there that could possibly be used. I can't think of anything off the top of my head at this point. Yeah. Um, but I but she does she does have one thing where she says, like, I can see so far now, far out to the sea. And I do wonder if that's eternal city. Yeah. And, and we know that Nessa is going to be in play, right? Because she's got the harp. She can yeah. use the harp, and we know that the harp can. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to, find all the to like transport too. people across universes. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out that I am very proud of myself. Yep. Um, for making several jokes about the island that yep. they mention in Akasif specifically, right? Or is it also in the other? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but I know they mentioned it in Akasif as in like this island used to belong to another court. And I was like, haha, it's the Twilight Court. Yeah. And yeah. it's the fucking Twilight Court. It basically <laughs> um, is. Anyway, that's a, a prouder, a, pr- a proud moment for me. Yeah. And we also joked that they sparkle. Yeah. They yeah. like kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> so like. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, <laughs> go back. We're on record. Sarah um, J. Mass listens. She wrote that in. I know. Put that in. You're welcome. <laughs> my biggest thing is my takeaway is I I feel very solidified in like Axtar Five is going to be Az's book now, and I feel yeah. even stronger that's going to be Az in Gwen's book. I again this theory about Truth Teller being the companion was out there before leaks even. Um, but I, I, there's also so many questions as I was reading along and again, knowing that something was happening at the end, like there's so many questions about Azrael too. Like we don't know who his mom is. Like his, his father was this Illyrian Lord and like he was raised it, it, by this, this father and his horrible sons who were awful to him and burned his hands, et cetera. But we know nothing about his mom. So we like, don't know where she came from and what her powers are. Um, and then just like, as soon as we got all the, I, I don't know why I never really thought about Rune's powers before and how much they were like 
mm-hmm. as is. Yeah, the shadows and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you have Rune and and Lydia's day and night here, we also have a lot of those parallels too with Gwen. Like yeah. it's a light singer versus a shadow singer. Is she somehow related to the starborn too? She's got red hair like Bryce. Like things are is is her father like the autumn king? Like is is that the unknown fade male? Like we don't know. So I, I just feel like more confident in them being the uh, the center piece kind of going forward. Thousand percent. Um, yeah. And yes, I'm biased. I'll say it. I am. <laughs> when real. I mean, yeah. You're right. And you should say it. Yeah. Especially yeah. I want like Elaine's powers to come into play into like the Crescent City Three's like part. Like I'm definitely a Gwen Real fan, like hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Um I just think it'd be interesting to see like Yeah. I would love to Elaine to have, do to to do something. I did think it was funny that TikTok <laughs> <laughs> that TikTok you sent today, Liz, was very funny. I'm from Kat, uh, which was like, even Sarah J. Mass forgets about the way. <laughs> like, she is not there. She's not there. Um, yeah, there's just so much we don't know at this point. I do think it's also worth knowing that Gwen is looking up other worlds, like yes. that's part of her and research in their library. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's all very fascinating. Um, what were some of the other like theories that we've been seeing and like what we want to, to talk about here? Cause like we've talked so much about them and now my brain is quite frankly, I know broken about I know. it. Oh God. I, Oh, I know that I shared that one TikTok. This is just about the SAS to, to resand. Um, I really want Bryce to tell the Valkyries about fangs and bangs. And just, <laughs> be so good. Yeah. I just, I just want, I just want Bryce to, I think Corinne, you said that you and Jesse were like going back and forth on Tumblr. Like Aubrey was looking at like about um, like Bryce having to explain the modern world to all of oh them. Oh my God. Like, so funny. I, <laughs> I can't wait. I, Cassian I want with that. the d- dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so I want all, I do want at least a few chapters of that because like I just want Bryce's exasperation with everyone but like all of mm-hmm. their excitement about it all too that's all that's yeah. less of a theory and more of like a wish yeah. um yeah yeah I, we definitely had a lot of theories I think that so like I guess do you do either of you think that any of the Akatar crew is going to go to Crescent City World do you think I've seen a lot of talk him? about Asriel. Yeah. So here's my question. Why Asriel? That's the one I don't understand, though. Because he's like the unbear- unpaired one. Well, be- well, not that, but I think it's because his origins and his powers are so mysterious compared to everybody else's that like the potential for his connection to things that are ha- happening in Christmas City, I guess, are greater just because we have less of an understanding of him. Yeah. That's a really good and point. the winnowing, I think, was a was a thing about that. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. Cause he has like that special winnowing power that like mm-hmm. yeah, is different than everybody else's winnowing. Yeah. I think to I wonder again, I do think, and I said this to you guys off air that like Crescent City three is 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 going to like just more so be our Crescent City characters like POVs and they're not going to have Ak- I don't think we're going to have Akatar POVs but I wonder whether Akatar 5 is going to be kind of similar to the Tower of Dawn book in the Throne of Glass structure which I know Liz you haven't read it but like basically book five um, Empire Storms ends and then the next book Tower of Dawn follows one character 
going off somewhere doing complete something completely different. It runs parallel to book five. So I'm like, okay, are we going to have a similar type situation where maybe like Actar five is as going off and like doing something else. Cause Sarah said in her live event that she's contracted for three Crescent city books, but like there are four houses in this world. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we have to be getting four. Um, so if like three is table setting for some like grand thing in four, I could see how like Actar five can serve as like a parallel book. Yeah. Leading to some like ultimate thing. Well, um, I have a question. Didn't she say that book three was supposed to wrap up the main Crescent City story? So I don't know if like book four would be an extension of that or or like it would be the three books of build up to the and then book four would be like the the climax of the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hear her. I didn't hear that. I read that somewhere that she said it. that. Um I read, I think, I, I don't know, I Googled it or something. And I saw a quote from her that said something about uh, book three wrapping up the main story, but her possibly doing something else. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Okay. I have a question. The Viber Queen does not belong to a house or does she belong to Flame and Shadow? I think she's Flame and Shadow, but I don't know. Correct. Okay. So- I have no idea. I don't, I don't know either. Okay. Yeah. The only reason I asked that is because if Therian gave up many waters to go to to be a slave to flame and shadow would that be why there's only three books because there's no reason to go into many waters at this point if our character has like moved homes yeah oh hmm that's a good point that is man the house is still really confused me (laughs) i just got through it out there maybe well because the the water you know house is so disconnected from everything else that maybe it's like book four would be their book but it would be like a novella some other shit that's going on down there yeah or like a big battle between the sisters i'd be interested in the ocean and the rivers and blah 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 because i just feel like flame and shadow has so many people because it right it has like it has hypoxia right it has yeah she's a necromancer has the dragon Jessica left flame and shadow to go to blood and earth mm-hmm. right or earth and blood right or am i or reverse those? i can't remember the reverse I think so she reverse. left okay yeah and then she i don't know why i'm talking i literally know nothing about the houses Continue. she was a witch <laughs> she was a witch but now she's like on another level right we haven't talked about Jessica, but i fucking love her and i think yeah. that she gives not enough of her in this book yeah <laughs> yeah um, and then we have sky and breath. And so like, yeah, I could just see it being about those three books. And so like, I could see three being flame and shadow and like being every fucking person that belongs to that. And mm-hmm. like all the rogues and everything. Speaking of, I'm sad that we did not get real Adis in this book. Oh, yeah. so sad. Yeah. And that's, that's my boy. I, so I think in theories, I think that he'll have a, a bigger part in the third one. Well, we can only hope. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what she's screaming like the entire time when she gets mm-hmm. to Prithian. She's like, where's Adis? I, I need to go Adis. here. So, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they find out some way there and to get to that point where we get him back into the story. Cause yeah, it is really disappointing. Cause that whole cat scene was so funny. It was. <laughs> um, and it's so him like yeah. that. That was a very well-played moment yeah. to get that kind of characterization totally. down. Ugh. I do think one of the things that was also really surprising about the end and I think could lead to some more theory theorizing we've kind of talked a little bit about as well as like we're looking exactly like Reese Mm -hmm. oh well that was shocking 
Yeah. I will say that I um, did not care for myself when I realized that because I've never been like a huge <laughs> Reese Sand fan. And to be so attracted to Rune, realizing that he's just long haired Reese was, <laughs> was like emo yeah. Reese. Yeah. <laughs> Reese's emo teenage son. I was a little disappointed in myself for not picking yeah. up on that sooner. Yeah. There's so many theories going around too. And like I blink on all the names too, but like, there's got obviously have to be some sort of familial connection there, right? Like it, it it's yeah. someone went through the world. That can't be on and, accident. Yeah. That's and we, you know, yes, Reese's mother and sister were killed, although his mother was the Illyrian one. So like his mother, I don't think is gonna matter. Um, but you know, right. is his sister still actually alive? Like, we don't know. Like, I mean, we she's seem pretty clearly dead in Akatar, but like yeah. that could come up or there's so much there, um, in terms of like the Fey hierarchy we get in Crescent city too. And then like how Reese is going to fit into that. It's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, I do. I do think it'd be interesting to see the ties between like the autumn King in Crescent city and the autumn mm-hmm. court in Akatar. Mm-hmm. And because Bryce is supposed to be a descendant of Thea or Thea, who came over. So is she from the Autumn Court or is she something else and came over? And yeah, that's then a great question. Established the Autumn King. Well, because Bryce is supposedly descended from that Twilight Court, right? The island. Like they said, she was specifically descended from the island that was. Is that okay? Because she's she's yeah from, yeah. So they okay. So interesting. So, oh god, and that maybe like leads into to like the idea of Reese being like high king of Prithian at some point. Like if he is from this like separate special court too, like that could like mm-hmm. bolster that claim or whatever. Um, and then yeah, like Amarin is the same whatever Fury is too. Like right, so we're gonna have to like. Yeah, is that just like accepted that they're the same? They're the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that she definitely race clocks that. This is why we need more doc or whatever. Like because Danica knew that Fury was different in X way, and that that hasn't been revealed yet. And I I need to know. Yeah, there are questions about Mordock. Like I'll have to go back and reread the end and like, how does he not smell like Lydia? the mating bond right because yeah. you would think even if she covered her scent for like the lay person right yeah. but you I'm, can't cover a scent for a bloodhound i'm so like, freaked I don't out what about you that. do i feel like that's not possible yeah it's like it's yeah. very scary if but like mm-hmm. I, I have to see if they've like crossed paths yet or we'll have to see but yeah, yeah i don't know yeah. <laughs> i have to reread but he's, i thought attention. he was in the i thought he was in the dungeon like i thought she walked them past him yeah, yeah. i thought so too but if the mating bond is like some combination of their two cents, like maybe if they're both in the room, like in you would together. <laughs> Although like this just goes to show you, like when we were reading this and we were like getting close to the end, I think like Jesse sent me some sort of message that was like, can't wait till room gets a like whiff of Lydia. And I'm like, Sarah, like, what do you make of these things that come out of our mouth? Like, why, why do you like, this is where we're at. Where it's like, mm, can't wait till he smells her. Like, <laughs> it definitely makes me wonder like- if there's like a sense that we all give off that like, we just, you know, like I know Maybe. pheromones are a thing and everything, but like, yeah, it definitely... <laughs> I, I, I mean 
you know, if, if I died before having to hear about somebody smelling somebody else's arousal again, you know, that'd be okay. Okay. Yeah. That definitely is. <laughs> I just, I feel like it's just so <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. This, this is man. So yeah, I think we're kind of at the point where it's kind of like melting down. About yeah. I don't know yeah. there. I can't speak about them clearly, except to say that I'm like, so excited about this bonkers ending it you know it makes me kind of sad I've seen on like bookstagram some people are like what do you think just in general terms like what do you think of this ending like some people don't like it and I'm like this is fun like this is yeah. what I'm yeah. here for like this it's is okay great. to have fun it's so okay to have fun again even as someone who is professed multiple times to be quote-unquote done with resand <laughs> I'm I'm not oh <laughs> Just like that, I'm back in. I'm back. <laughs> pulls me back in. Back oh fuckers. shit! Here we go <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, they're is- all doing like three different memes right now. I love yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, there is also the question of Resan's last name, which I was bringing up to you guys earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. We recorded because it does come up in his and Farrah's bonus chapter of Court of Silver Flames, where she like makes a passing reference to it. Like, is it going to be Dan? And like, we don't know. She also kind of makes a comment in that bonus chapter too that it's kind of silly or stupid or something so like he says i wouldn't name our like child something like dumb she's like well your last name i don't know so anyway oh and one last i guess theory thing i think we have to throw out there is the throne of glass connections here in terms Mm. of whether Mm -hmm. or not the what we'll call it are are valid yeah um which are basically the bad guys and they are, and they're like supernatural in Throne right. of Glass. Yeah. There's a case to be made. Yeah. I mean, in Throne of Glass, they, Glass, they are um, a colonizing, like parasitic kind of species that goes world to world and, and takes over and, and drains resources. And yeah. um, they know how to open gates to other worlds. Um, they're also um, parasitic in the sense that they can kind of possess people. So I know it's mentioned that what's his name is like inhabiting what looks like the body of like a teenage fae boy. Yeah. And that is something that the Valg can do is, is, um, oh, possess bodies. Yeah. But yeah, regulus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all I know is this, if we, and, and this is a character of all the characters in throne of glass who could be a good pawn to bring into this universe is my favorite throne of glass character, uh, Dorian. Dorian. If Dorian, sorry, I freaked out. Dorian still has a lot of magic potential on the table here. And all I'll say is if I see him, if I see any character from Throne of Glass in these books going forward, I will hundred percent lose my shit. But if I see Dorian Havilliard, I'll sob. Send a wellness check to our home. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, he could literally just be in the background of a scene, like picking his nose, and I will be weeping. Aelin's tapped out at the end of Throne of Glass. Please let her rest. Yeah. Let that girl rest. She's she yes. deserves it. Yes, but like Dorian, you know, he he he's still all charged up with his powers. And um I do like the theory that he could maybe make the drop which is helpful for ship reasons. Again, mm-hmm. I'll keep it vague for um, for Liz on that one. But um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of like fun to be had there. I, I don't really think though, because that series is wrapped up that we will get more from Throne of Glass if, unless it's like an Easter egg. 
unfortunately. Mm-hmm. However, I would love a throne of glass Easter egg. I would love a throne and of glass. And also the Dorian stuff is very open-ended. It and is. The ship stuff is very open-ended. It's the so... most open-ended stuff. So if she was ever going to write another book, like Sarah, mm-hmm. listen to us. She's obviously been planning this for years. Like, so she's right. not like changing anything, but no, Corinne, she listens to our podcast and that's why totally. she made the twilight court. Totally <laughs> does. Oh, Dorian. Like his magic hands are like not different than shadows. I'm just exactly. Saying. Exactly. Anyway, we'll move on now. I, I do have like oh yes, two please. Just to say. Okay. So one, um, I this is just another theory. I do kind of wonder like Kaseki, Kuski, Kofki, whatever his oh, fucking yeah. name is, Kuchi. Like <laughs> if he's going to play. <laughs> play a role in this at all because like isn't he supposed to be like super fucking old and yeah. like he could be i don't know i don't know if he's an asteri but like he definitely seems kind of like a succubus and i, I don't know if he's going to be like a part i i do wonder because that was left on that was left open at the end of akasa yeah and so i do kind of wonder if like that's going to play a part in this as well maybe like sending him to hell or something yeah no i think yeah. that's a really interesting point and i do there was some time, I can't remember what, but something kind of made me think of like a Firebird situation. Yeah, the to, Thunderbird reminded me of Firebird. They just felt yeah. too similar in name. Yeah. And like the dragon the, kind of feels like that yeah, the, too. The, the, the dragon like shifts, right? Yeah. She yeah. can appear human, yeah. humanoid or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's like a lot. I think the most exciting thing about Crescent City 3 is that there's so many things that could be tied or like crossed over or like connected between the two worlds i will say that not reading through our glass and reading that next i'm very excited to like maybe find easter eggs in in it that like that's what has made this throne of glass reread so much like this book has made the throne of grass glass reread so fun because i am just looking for those connections yeah so i'm really excited for that um but i just i do want to like one thing i don't want to happen in the in custom city three is like a these are parallel universes existing on the same time plane, not different time periods. Yeah. I don't like if into the spider verse taught us anything, there's no <laughs> like going back in time. They just exist equally on different planes. Yeah. I don't yeah. want that. Yeah. I think what we do know from the end of Throne of Glass, and this isn't a spoiler. I actually knew this before going into the last Throne of Glass book, but you know, cause I'd seen it on Tumblr. But there's a moment in the last room glass book where she's kind of falling through these universes and she sees a pregnant Faye couple, like the woman is pregnant. And Sarah confirmed that that's Faye Sand. Like that was her Easter egg. It seems pretty obvious. So it's definitely sand at the during, same time. Like Starfall, right? Correct. It's during Starfall. And so like, obviously this is all happening at a similar at time. time. Yeah. Um, so Yes. And she also falls through Crescent City during that time, right? She does. Yeah. Yeah. So like I think the fact alone that like we're, you know, yes, it could be like a different pregnancy, et cetera, but like it's 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 pretty clear, I think, to me that like, yes, we're definitely having the same time here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it seems like, you know, Ness and Cassian, like they already have like a bantery moment, like you can tell. Like, so, <laughs> so like hopefully they're like she together. like snaps at him. And- yeah. <laughs> the fact that Ness is there. In and of itself makes yes. sense. Like we're on the same timeline here. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, Elaine. Yeah. R.I.P. Elaine. Where, that <laughs> I mean, it yet? smelled like bread and roses. I was like, oh, I, I can't go. We can't. I can't get credence <laughs> to that 
here by speaking about those theories. It's time to move on to superlatives. I, I can't. I, I, if, if, if your ship is hinging on bread, a common household smell, um, which by the way, I legit this weekend bought a candle that is scented as freshly baked bread. So like maybe oh they God, got one of those whatever house. Yeah. So like, I can't. I can't. I'm I'm not an L real. I'm not. I know you're not. I'm like, I can't. I can't. I was getting in like Tumblr fights. I need to walk away. I can't. Okay. Those L real shippers just uh, hanging on. Listen, if she's going to take me there, I'm sure I'll go on that path. Like mm-hmm. I, I, she'll take me to a place where I need to go, but it is not because wherever Azrael takes Bryce smells like bread and roses. That's not it. That's not. It's also um, where Elaine fucking lives and she gardens <laughs> and bakes bread there all the time. Like it just seems like a really, it's all like it doesn't very, mean anything. Yeah. That's like the, all the, that Sarah <laughs> was willing to give Elaine all the screen time she was willing to give Elaine was a scent in the background. Just, I don't know. All right. Superlatives. Is we, are we good? <laughs> yeah. oh, I think we're all getting very giggly. Yeah, I know. That's why we need to do some quotes. All right. Should we um go uh Liz? Favorite quote? Do you want to go yours first? I like your explanation of your first one here. Yes. My favorite quotes from this one were the light up rice, light up hunt, and light up offalar. They happen throughout the book. And the light up rice is at the bone quarter. Lighted up hunt is on in the water. Oh no, it's when he destroys the mech suit. And then light up athalar is when um, she needs to teleport. Um, I loved how it gets adopted by Bryce and Hunt because it's like what Danica and Bryce had, and it was like so prevalent in the first book as like kind of their term of endearment and affection between each other and like their own thing. And it gets adopted between Hunt and Bryce. And it just like the way that they both say it to each other is just, there's so much trust and respect between each other, between the two of them. And I just, I love that. It's like, it's Bryce healing and being able to look at Hunt the way that she initially saw Danica. And I think that like, it's just so beautiful. And And like that. And like Hunt respecting that relationship with Danica. Yes. And, and it feels like both of them holding Danica near and dear yeah. yes. to them, which is really special. I also love how it's been like adopted in a literal sense because they are literally yes. looking it up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. Just fun. So yeah. It feels a lot in the way you like highlighted that there was feels a lot. Again, this will not mean anything to you, but Tasia and I did spend a lot of time talking about um, the phrase, you know, my name is Sam Cortland and I will not be afraid. My name is <laughs> Selena Sardothian and I will not be afraid. My name is Aylin Galatinius and I will not be afraid. So like, yeah, she, she does what she does really well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. GMS. Tasia. Let's see. Um, I mean, Corinne's got the good ones this time. So like shout out, we're, we're going to get there, but, uh, <laughs> what do I have? And I can't believe I'm even saying, I'm even saying this, but while I'm sure the person you love is great, you really couldn't do better than Rune. And this is just another like great healing moment. I love like when both of them say beautiful things about each other, not in yeah. front of them. Yeah. Um, but this is hypoxia and, and Bryce is telling hypoxia, like, listen, like love who you love, but you're never going to do better than my brother, which is just precious and also true. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I all will, I also will say, we didn't talk about this before, but I just want to like put it in there briefly. Like I'm not totally convinced hypoxia and Therian is off the table, especially after Therian's bonus chapter and Celestine yeah. being shady AF. So yeah, we'll see. I agree. 
Um, okay. So my number one was, I mean, it's iconic, like hello, Bryce, but my name is Resand. like iconic shit. Like it's yeah. the best. Um, mic drop moment, mic drop moment. You both have other ones. Do you want to read them? Uh, Liz, you go. It's your little bitch, your highness. Love that. Uh, <laughs> it's just so good. I just love that. She just the sass never ends. Yeah, I know. It's like when she's calling herself like the spoiled princess, whatever. Blah blah blah. Yeah. It's like so funny. Yeah. All right, Tage, what do you got? Um, males will always try to control the females to scare them. Marriage and breeding are their go-to methods, which you know, Retweet. while not profound, is absolutely a fact of life. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, God, I have three more here, so I'm just going to go through them quickly. Um, I'll have some funny ones first. And then the one that absolutely killed me uh, first, <laughs> I thought she was involved with Alphalar. Oh, she is. Therian said, but legs and I have an understanding when it comes to her underwear. I died. <laughs> <laughs> he, it got like, now that I think about it, because when he first said Corinne originally messaged me and was like, listen, there's like a spike character here. And I want to see if you can like pick him out. And my first thought was like in spike in terms of like bad guy that might have good potential and was not thinking of a snarky, pithy character that's in the background to tell everybody how stupid they are. And also to be like a little bit of like a fun creep. And, you know, it, it was there all along. I missed it, but yeah, he <laughs> abs- I can absolutely see it. Okay, absolutely see it. Thank you. I'm riding high on my spike vibes these days. It's all a lot for me. Uh, uh, this is another Ethan theory moment. Ethan said to Rune, I'm accepting your offer. Hunt's brows twitched towards each other. Bryce asked, what offer? Rune sized her up before saying to come live with me and the guys because of your thin ass walls. Therian said with mock outrage, I had dibs on the pup as my friend. Just. <laughs> He's just so good. He's Sad. so good. Cute. Sad. As high. I love yeah. it. And then this one, this is when I truly broke down at the end of this book, mm-hmm. which is when it doesn't seem like they're getting out of there at the end. And Bryce turns to Rune and he says, you brought so much joy into my life, Bryce. Just devastating. Devastating stuff. Like her, I think it's so meaningful too. She's literally saying goodbye to her mate. But then the last person she says goodbye to is Rune. And, oh, man, that whole conversation, but that line in particular just, like, broke me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had such a, a, a tense life, a fraught life. His, the Autumn King was very abusive to him, and, and then he gets he gets Bryce. Oh, God, it's too much. It's so good. It's I just, like, oh, God. And I just love that both he and Hunt, like, before that, like, without saying anything, came to the agreement that they knew what they were going to do collectively. Yeah. And like, we're both okay with it because they could not have been like, they could have like, you know, one of them could have been like, no, you go with her or like, I'll sacrifice myself. And they were just both like, nope. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And on that note, favorite character in arc. Um, (laughs) Any guesses, anyone? Just like a room across the board. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hey, not totally across the board. I did say runner up. It's his lip ring. (laughs) it's like literally there's so many times he just like pulled on it and i was like Mm -hmm. oh my god and like good nods to sarah like shouts to sarah because i have had several lip rings in my lifetime and it's all you fucking do is you play with your lip ring you tug on it you like tongue it you like bite it it's all you're doing all the time and 
you know, we love we love that representation. I just want to know who her who her like inspiration was for this. Yeah. Yeah. Because like her husband is clearly Reese. Um yeah. so like yeah. Is this like who you want? Is this the uh the uh, role playing that you guys do? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, it's a oh my god, do you, never mind. I'm not even gonna go there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think like my my secondary um runner up rune lippering and then um hunt. Like I just this mm-hmm. is such a good hunt book. Uh he's on the cover, so it should be, and it really just delivered. Um I loved it a lot. Yeah. Uh, my my secondary character was Bryce. Um I just I love her. I love this type of heroine so much, and I just want to read more of her and her story, and I just love how funny she is all the time. Yeah. 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 So wounds. Oh, Jesus Christ, the whole thing. Is that is that possible? <laughs> Can I just read that? Yeah, I'll you start off because I think you're the most. Yeah. So the the I as I said, I already Ari said, I highlighted like the entirety of the conversation between Bryce and Hunt when they talk about choosing teammates and how beautiful that is. But there's the one line that like stopped me in, stopped me in my tracks was when, when Bryce says, I made the drop for you. And like knowing how defeated she was in book one and like you know reading book one that like a huge part of the reason she decides to fight on and like Danica says it to her during the drop is like what about the angel like like that she says that to him like that she's a in a, a, a spot of like emotional like security with him to say that and then just be the, the, the fact of it is just it was staggering to me and I loved it Liz this is kind of like their first, like one of their early moments of like real softness between each other. It's almost out the witch hissed, grunting with effort. Hang on, Bryce. She did to hunt, to his hand, to the softness in his eyes. She held on with all she had. I've got you, he murmured. Sweetheart, I've got you. He'd never said it like that before. That word. It had always been mocking, teasing. She'd always found it just the side of annoying. Not this time, not when he held her hand and her gaze and everything she was writing out the pain with her breathe. He ordered her. You can do it. We can get through this, get through it together, get through this mess of a life together through this mess of a world. I just love that. Like (laughs) they, she's going through some of the most painful, like physically painful thing experience she could have. And there's literally another person in the room, but it's just the two of them in this moment. Yeah. And it's like when they really see each other. Yeah, that's a really good moment. I'm glad we have a book one thing here too, because like book one has such good stuff. I know. Sorry. I just, no, I know it's no, it was one, perfect. Loved, no, yeah. no, it's so good. <laughs> um, all right, Tasha. No, we might have one day, but it didn't get that far. I loved him as a friend, but I still needed time. She smiled crookedly. Who knows? Maybe I was just waiting for you. This is uh, Bryce talking to Hunt about Connor. <laughs> it's so good it's so good because i feel like it's still respectful to connor and like Mm -hmm. from both sides like hunt is not jealous he's not like trying to dig information like he you know he's like or like diminish the relationship yeah 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 Yeah. he's very respectful of it and like she's even like i don't know what it could have been but like well just like she's respectful of his relationship with shahar yeah yeah 
Yeah. Well, and it comes off the heels too of her saying, I've never told that to anyone else romantically. And like, mm-hmm. it just flummoxes him, flummoxes him that like, he's that person for her. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read this, this too <laughs> while we're still on the, the Quinlar train here um, <laughs> for my last one. <clears throat> he laughs softly, a sound of wonder at odds with the crystal throne room and the monsters in it. I love you. I wish I'd said it more, but I love you, Quinlan. And his throat closed up, his eyes stinging. His lips brushed her brow. Our love is stronger than time, greater than any distance. Our love spans across stars and worlds. I will find you again, I promise. It's so good. I think, Liz, you pointed out how similar it was to, like, I wish we had more time on yeah. the battlefields of Aqua War between Nesta and Cassian. And it really is. It really is. I think, I think you also said it's like, she's trying to top herself every time with like these romantic declarations and yeah, she's, she's doing the Lord's work out there. (laughs) I mean, I do feel like it's like, she's trying to like one up it and Uh like, you don't have to. Yeah. That that line with Cassie and Nesta. These are all great. And they stand alone. Yeah. All stand alone. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have? (laughs) Um, oh no, this is a great one. Yeah. <laughs> I love this one. Um, so following when uh, Bryce gives Hunt a blowjob, Ethan yells, please have sex a little louder. I didn't hear everything that time. Followed by Hunt saying, I'm going to fuck you senseless. And then Ethan replying, that sounds medically dangerous. <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny. And that's a great example of how like, let Ethan just be Bryce's friends because it's yes. funnier. It's so yes. <laughs> Like it already because, is like funny. that scene yeah. doesn't need like a like a tone of like sadness to yeah. it with right. knowing no. that Ethan is like hearing this woman that he loves having sex with somebody else. Like, no, let it be funny because he's her friend and he's like gross. Yeah, and please stop. Like, I mean, I think we've all been in that situation before where you're just like, God damn it, like I didn't want to hear this. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's just funny. And I also had you guys but- remember like your early 20s, just like having sex paper thin walls away from your friends uh, gross. Dude, like dude, all of my us apartment did. complex thin walls so <laughs> oh my god oh my god but yes yes I, I i love all the stuff leading up to this those lines from ethan and just like both hunt and bryce's reactions to it as well mm-hmm. yeah. we're like they're not really embarrassed like they're just so like yeah we wanted to fuck they're happy yeah yeah, yeah. they're just Deal giddy and like in it yeah yeah um tasia all right. I knew the moment you went snooping for my dildos. Hunt burst out laughing. I can't tell if that's the truth. You handled Jelly Jubilee with such care. How can I not love you for it? And that was a, just a great moment, uh, recalling a moment from book one. That was just really fun. It's so, so good. good. And like, is there a connection between Jelly Jubilee and like the Pegasus and Axar? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know. I find out. I mean, uh, somebody gets. Um, what's his name? Fuck, I just forgot his name. Lucian's dad. Um, oh, Helion. Helion. Yeah. yeah, somebody get Helion on the line. Okay, yeah. so what if Asriel goes to Crescent City and then brings back Jelly Jubilee for Gwen? But like, <laughs> Jelly Jubilee belongs with Hunt and Bryce. <laughs> what if she gives it to him as like a thank you? Oh wow, that that'd be, that'd be <laughs> strange. <laughs> Corinne's face. <laughs> Oh 
okay. <laughs> that made me, I, of all the things I just started crying about tonight, Jelly Jubilee was not on the list, friends. <laughs> there was no Jelly Jubilee <laughs> on the list. Okay. Okay. <laughs> also, like another another great quote, like just from after, like Liz's, like we're I'm gonna fuck you senseless. That sounds medically dangerous. <laughs> also, like Bryce being to eat to Ethan and being like, "I'm sorry, we exiled you," which is just a great term. I love it. Yes, it yeah. really is. Yeah, it almost made my list for favorite quotes, but it did yeah. not. But yeah, yeah I just wanted to shout that one out. It's good. All right, this is my last one. It's. About my my new chef, Rune and Lydia here. Um, this is promise on the fact that like when they have this like banter earlier where he says yeah, and she's like, Would you say yeah like that if I was a male agent? And like he's like, mm, I probably would, but maybe not in the same tone. So so then they're doing it. <laughs> um, let's see here. He laid a hand on her heart what you do every minute of every single day. I've never met anyone like you. I've never met a male like you either. Yeah. Yeah. She said, and he punished her for the sass in her voice by licking her again, drawing another gasp rune. <laughs> so anyway, I just like, love. I know that whole scene was so good and so hot, but I like love that, like callback to their banter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. It's book guys. This may, is this our longest episode ever? It could be. Thank you, is Liz, it? for coming so here. Sorry. I don't know. I'm oh so God. sorry. No, I knew it would be. I knew it would be. There was so much to talk about. It was inevitable. I had so much 1,600 fun. pages, basically. That's also an exciting record to be. Like, we haven't had a, an episode this long since, what, like the, the first carry on and that double yeah, feature? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was so good though, guys. Like I needed this and I'm so glad we like completely sorted our plans to talk about this because I needed to like a event Mm -hmm. session about it. And it was again, the perfect time to talk about this book when we really didn't know if we'd ever squeeze it in otherwise. And so I'm glad we did. And again, no shade to air fire, which I love, but we will get to you very soon. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm also glad that we did this because I was way behind on my air fire reading. <laughs> <laughs> like literally how it went was like two days ago. Like, oh yeah, we're going to record on on, uh, on Wednesday. Um, yeah, like, should we just maybe talk about this? <laughs> Do something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, again, I cannot emphasize enough to you at all, um, listeners, about how few notes we actually had and how much of this was just us. I literally have no all, notes. Like, yeah, like <laughs> our quotes and stuff at the end were written down, but like we really just have been talking about this nonstop for yeah. the um, eight yeah. days since this book came out <laughs> as of the time of this recording. And um, we just, so we this just episode did feels it. good. Feels so you're welcome. Also, we've been dying to have Liz on for yeah, ages, and this felt like the perfect time. We needed it. Thank it you was so much. Time. It oh, was, thank you. It was so fun to have you here. Um, before we wrap up, Liz, do you, you don't have like public things, right? Um, like, uh, Twitter is my only public thing, which okay. I don't actually talk that much. I'm not reactive okay. on it, but at E by sign, be like a boy, I-S-T-L-I-N-E. Right. It's on Twitter. You can find me there. Uh, but thank you guys so much for having me. It, this has been so fun. Yes, we've talked about this nonstop. It's been a great obsession. Um, so thank you. Well, so we'll much. definitely have you back for the next book. Yeah, so now you're a person. That's how we do yes. it. Yep. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Tasia. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram 
and Twitter at Ragey Cakes. And I'm on Instagram at Rin underscore reads. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Act Your Age. You can shoot us an email if you'd like at actyourage at gmail.com. And as always, if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate that. We will be back to our regular scheduled programming sometime soon <laughs> whenever Tasha and I finish reading Air Fire. Um yeah. Don't know when that'll be because we've <laughs> thrown everything into, into disarray here, but we'll get there uh, soon to continue with that throne of glass journey. Very exciting. Liz, again, thank you so much. This is so much fun. Thank, thank you for you. just like this jumping is... on with us. Like again, yeah. 48 hours just, notice. Like, like so shit. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about this. Of notices. Yeah. But we, no, thank you. we had so much fun. So no, okay. this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Hey, this is like great Wednesday. Great way to spend right? Wednesday. It really is. So yes, listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed this somewhat unhinged discussion of Crescent City <laughs> 1 and 2, and we will see you soon. Bye friends. Bye. Bye.